Get ready to remove the filter from your timeline. Get ready to break the censorship of social media. Get ready to support the grassroots alternative to establishment propaganda. Get ready for an authentic voice. Get ready to resist cancel culture. Get ready for free speech media. This is FSM. From the heart of trucker America, my boy, Reed Coverdale, host of The Naturalist, Capitalist. As the left becomes less religious, they become more statist. And as the right becomes more religious, they still become more statist. Whenever you add government, you by default remove community. But it actually starts with Bush, right? Like in 2006. That'd be the most satisfying, like, chair shot. And I have no intention of keeping any promise that I make. The radical messaging is almost more pragmatic sometimes. It's bad that the state is as big as it is. Hello, everybody. Thank you for watching episode 113 of The Naturalist Capitalist. And this is the third time we're doing the Four Horsemen series. We're going to be doing these once a month, uh, just in case you haven't noticed that pattern. And back on the show again, we've got my good friend, Eric Jackman. How are you doing today, Eric? Reed, I'm awesome. And I've uh, been looking forward to this. So psyched to be here. The Four Horsemen ride again. <laughs> and we have uh, Palestinian freedom fighter Ryan Dawson joining us. How are you doing today, Ryan? I'm good, man. Um, I can't believe we've gotten three out without you getting uh, censored yet. <laughs> I know it's impressive. We'll uh, we'll see if truth we is anti-Semitic. Reed, truth is anti a lot of things. Uh, and we have a special guest today. He's been on the show three times, but I'm glad he was willing to risk what's left of his reputation to come on with the three of us. Dave Smith, how you doing, Dave? Oh, I'm I'm doing good, and I'm happy to be here. I'm uh, oh. Four horsemen, you gotta have flair. <laughs> Look, man, I'm just after that after that flyer. I'm just happy everyone has a shirt on. <laughs> oh man, yeah, uh, go check out. Well, I had to wear this one. Boycott, boycott's a very libertarian solution. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, the one so they're they're afraid of and freak out against the most. <clears throat> so Dave, you've uh, you've been really making the rounds since you came on my show last time. You went on Joe Rogan and you went on Tim Pool twice, uh, I think, and uh, you've been other places too. You've been on Fox News. You were on Greg Gutfeld. So uh, are you? You feel like you're growing in popularity? More and more people hearing your message. Well, I feel like uh, if if we're going by um, you know the the order of events, it looks like your show launched me to uh to there. so i appreciate the bump and uh yeah I, it's it's been a good it's been a good little stretch um and now after getting on all these platforms i'm really starting to see israel's side of the whole conflict 
<laughs> Reed, I, I did the opposite, Reed. I started on a big and ended up on your show after yeah, I got I know. banned. I, was, I was that got banned like two days before right. I came on my show the first time. That's <laughs> the only guy who has like freaking like 50 million total views on his, his videos. It is now uh, basically like this is his uh, his outlet to get his message yeah. out there. <laughs> We got we got peer tube and stuff. We're building up again. It's just whatever, man. They they, it's five times on YouTube, and then it was Vimeo. We also stole my money, uh, and then I had a t-shirt company, and they walked away with money, and then I got kicked off PayPal, kicked off Patreon. I was banned on AOL back in the day. Even little, you were banned notch. before it was like cool. I know. I, I made it cool. I got banned on MySpace. I got banned. Yeah. Yeah, you were banned before video. that was even like a known thing that you could be canceled before there was a term for it or anything. Yeah, like when that. people were like the ad apocalypse, I'm like, you guys had ads ever? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ryan, you're proto based man with the banning, you know? The yeah, genesis, and I, genesis you know, based. It was just me by myself. And then the next like round of people that got banned were like all the white separatist weirdos. I'm like, I don't really like this company. But I still, I'm still for free speech. And then it was they started doing like anti-war people and libertarians. I was like, okay, I'm getting some better friends now. And uh, and then it was just like, are you conservative? Do you think there are only two genders? Do you think like, if you are you sane? You're getting banned. You know, everybody got banned. Well, you know what it was, Ryan. When they banned me at Infowars, that was the beginning of the end. Okay, that was the beginning of the apocalypse. Infowars.com. Buy my dick pills. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so Dave, how have guy. you avoided getting banned? Are you like just really? I mean, are you just really careful about what you say, or have you dealt? Have you gone into that territory and been banned, and then you've just been like, okay, I'm not going to touch that again? Or how? How have you maintained your platform? Do you think? You know, I don't know. It's a little bit of a mystery to me, but you know, I am one of the chosen people, so maybe I, you know, I'm working. I'm working for the uh, for the for the bad guys or something like that. I'm a CIA op. Um, no, I don't know. It's probably coming. You know, like I'm always prepared for it, and and that's kind of you know. I think anybody in our space today, you kind of have to be ready for that. I do. I go out of my way to not be a provocateur for the sake of being a provocateur. So I don't just say outrageous shit that I don't believe. Um, but I'm not particularly careful about the um, the the things I do say. I mean, I've I've been on the the COVID stuff for the last year, and that's I've basically been thinking that was going to get me banned. And I don't know. I've tried. I had a an episode on the vaccines recently that I just titled, and I just talked about it in the episode. I was like, we're just going to call this. Everybody should get vaccinated. And then I'm still just yeah, going to say everything right. I want to say, <laughs> and we'll see how that works. And and it it didn't get pulled. I was really surprised. I really thought because we said a lot of stuff that you're really I've seen people get pulled for on that episode. So, really, honestly, it's a it's a mystery to me. But I think you know all of us in this space these days got to be kind of prepared for that. And that's why I, I do. I have all my stuff at Gas Digital Network because you know that's like I, I know. I mean, short of like going after like the internet service providers, they're not going to be able to to take that down. So, uh, you know. It is what it I is. think there's a, a little bit of defense in being a comedian that, and even comedy is getting censored too. Don't get yeah. me wrong. But if you couch it in that, you get a, you get to last a little longer than if you actually say it's politics and news. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It's such a weird thing where there isn't really, it's very hard to um, decipher the exact science between who gets banned and who doesn't. You know what I mean? Like there are people who lasted, even if they have been kicked off, people who lasted way longer on like Twitter and YouTube than you would have thought 
that they would have, you know, like, like, um, I think Richard Spencer was on Twitter till very recently. And, and he was like, if he's even off, I don't know. I mean, he's he a Biden like, supporter, though. Well, that's really, yeah, he did switch over. But he was like the poster boy. Of, well, he's uh, always been on the left. He's just a racist leftist. He's always yes, been like that. Yeah. Yes, that's true. But he was, but I'm just saying, like, he was the poster boy for the, oh, yeah. the white nationalist movement. And still, he doesn't get kicked off. So Alex Jones is off everything. I mean, Alex Jones is like the biggest well most well-known conspiracy theorist in modern american history and has never once mentioned the jews do you know how hard that is for him to have made like that's that's like you almost gotta like you can't believe it um and he got kicked off everything before the people who are like obsessed with the jq and stuff like that ever got booted so it's uh, alex is fine until he opposed the war in syria like every he'd basically been he said himself he was a zionist he supported the apartheid wall all that he's anti like muslim migrant and all that and that says the mexicans are coming so they didn't care what he said because he's the gift that keeps on giving because when he talked about 9 11 or whatever it was just horseshit so like that disinformation helps the establishment so they didn't yeah. care because he's a conspiracy guy but he's wrong on all of them so like just not having official story but then your unofficial story is even dumber that's not a threat, so they didn't care. But when he opposed the war in Syria, and he does reach over a million people, they're like, eh, eh, you don't get to talk anymore. Well, I think I think you're you're on to something with that, right? Like, there's this dynamic where, because it's like Alex Jones, when you say he was wrong, he was right about a lot of stuff, but for the wrong reasons. So, like, he would be against certain policies, but for, you know, like, so he was a huge opponent of Bush-Cheney. So he mm -hmm. was kind of right on the issue, but then the reasoning was all ridiculous. And the 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 way that that kind of suits the establishment is that then, as soon as anybody starts going, you know, as soon as you start going like, look, they wanted to invade Iraq in the 90s. And all these neocons mm -hmm. had these plans way before 9-11. People go, oh, what are you, an Alex Jones guy? Or So, right. so it, it almost serves as a tool to dismiss anybody else who goes down that road. But I, I, I think a big part of it was also just his real support for, for Donald Trump and the fact yeah. that Alex Jones had a, has, a list, has a base of listeners that were it, it was a real problem on a few different levels. Alex Jones listeners are armed, they're tough, and they believe that the government is trying to kill them. It's not just like, oh, we prefer the Republican to the Democrat or something like that. He was really talking to a group of people and telling them to get behind Donald Trump. And yeah, I mean, he was he was really good on, on the whole Syria thing. So that's you're, mm -hmm. it's quite possible. You're I think right we had some influence that. on that one. I think my favorite yeah. was when he went up when they cut him loose on the view and he was he was defending Charlie Sheen's honor. He was like, Charlie Sheen didn't take down Building Seven here in Iraq. Charlie Sheen didn't murder a million people. Charlie Sheen didn't bring down Building Seven. I mean, folks, come on. Charlie Sheen, he's doing well. He's clean. Infowars.com. Like they cut him loose on the view. But I mean, Alex Jones, you know, he hit people like Jerome Corsi on Infowars, and they always claim to be getting a pipeline of information from like Israeli intelligence and Mossad type people. So who knows what that's all about? So when you say, Dave, like he wasn't canceled or well, didn't talk about like Zionism, <laughs> like hardcore, go hard in the paint with them. Probably a lot of people who are pipelining him information, you know, are, are in, in on that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like he course, said we need a wall like, across Mexico the way the Israelis have a wall, you know, between themselves and Palestine, not mentioning that the wall is not even on the border. It cuts into the West Bank and annexes all the territory in between it. And he doesn't for he's like you, you have the ability to talk to millions of people and you could straighten this out in two minutes. 
He just doesn't touch it and then still got censored. So like now that you're kicked off everything, why don't you talk about it now? Because he's a Zionist. He's a hardcore Christian Zionist. So he's not going to talk about it, but he opposed the war in Syria, not because of the war in Syria, but because he doesn't like all the migrants going to Europe. Right. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen it on, uh, Twitter the last few days, but Bernie Sanders and AOC and Elon Omar are all coming out hardcore against Biden and rhetoric over what's going on in Gaza right now. But they all voted to fund Israel back right yeah. before Christmas with that giant spending bill. I think it sent half a billion dollars to Israel. Um, so it seems like it's just controlled opposition. Like they want that they they need AOC and they need Bernie Sanders vocally opposing what's what biden is doing because if you had someone who actually opposes it then they could be a threat well i i think a lot of it is pandering to their base so aoc there are a lot of lefties who support aoc who were giving her a lot of shit over that i mean she right. got really there were a few times where she gave like wishy-washy answers on the palestinian rights questions and she was just getting dragged by left-wingers who actually like really do care about that issue at least the ones who know what they're talking about but to me it's kind of like like I said this, I, I just did a podcast I haven't put out yet, but I just recorded one with Scott Horton on the, the Israel-Palestine and the latest and kind of the history of all of it and stuff. And like what I said on it was, I go, look, AOC and Bernie Sanders are pro-Palestinian rights in the same way that Paul Ryan was for small government. Like it's, it's yeah. just what the, they say to kind of appease some, you know, portion of their base. And then they're completely of the establishment and, and that's that. And even when you saw, um, you know, you saw AOC going hard at um, Andrew Yang, it's like, well, why, what are you even wasting your time with Andrew Yank? Who cares? A, a mayoral right. candidate for New York City said something uh, supporting Israel. Like, hello, Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden. Like, those are the ones you want to go after. These are the guys who are the people who are actually responsible for the last, you know, four decades of funding Israel and propping up their apartheid state. So, you know, it's, it's just they kind of play their role. Um, but there are a lot of people on, on the left who are actually good on this issue. So I think they got to keep those votes that if in that sense of being controlled opposition, their job is to funnel those votes into the democratic right. party. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Ryan, you taught, you, you had that Bernie Sanders to the woodshed video when you're still on YouTube. And I, I shared that with so many Bernie supporters cause that's exactly what they were doing. That one got censored more than uh, like the second most censored video I ever did. Right. All I did was read his record and stuff to people. You know, it, it was really simple woodshed. It's like that, like Dave's example. I was thinking in my head, yeah, they're AOC is pro Palestine about like Obama or Bernie were anti war. Right. You know, right. because they didn't vote for the second Iraq war, but he voted for intervention in 98 and he financed the Iraq war three times and he voted for the, the entire occupation and so on. It's just they wanted a, a multilateral attack instead of a unilateral attack. That's not anti-war. That's just like a different way of doing the war. And they did right. that just so they could complain about Bush. You know, as soon as Obama took in, Bernie had no problem with it. He had no problem with Obama doing drone strikes in Yemen and all. when Trump got in. Uh, he had a problem with Saudi Arabia after they were right. buying weapons from Russia because the anti-Russia screed is insane. Like we have sanctions on Russia, blame them for hacking the election, blame them for supposedly hacking a pipeline, all this crap. <laughs> like Biden, you closed down the Keystone pipeline yourself. You put sanctions on Iran and Russia and you can't trade with Venezuela. And now you need the Middle East and they're at war. You, you right. put yourself in a tight spot yourself. 
and they had to coup in Ukraine. I'm like, you are really cutting off all available <laughs> alternatives to oil, bud. But anyway, they, you know, they're they're all starting the story in the middle. Like it was predictable. I was actually on press TV two days before the assault on Gaza happened. And I said, well, there's going to be an assault on Gaza because they're attacking the Alaska mosque. They shot a 16 year old boy dead, shot his friend, killed a 60 year old mother, put 83 people in the hospital, injured over 300 in the mosque attack. Won't let them celebrate Ramadan like they are trying to get a provocation. And boy, they got one. But man, their comeuppance is coming because they're getting it worse now than I mean, not as bad as when they lost to Hezbollah, but like Gaza's never done this well militarily. Yeah, that's 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 absolutely true. So not since right, not since Hezbollah kicked them the hell out of Lebanon. Um, but you know, like what you touched on there, Ryan, which I think is the most important, you know, point in terms of the the American uh, understanding of this, at least. You know, um, I I can't really speak to what it's like in other countries, and I think some places in Europe are a little bit more aware of this stuff, but. The, you can kind of like if you try to just empathize with the average American who, you know, with the information they get, I can understand why they feel the way they do. I mean, basically, the story that's told to them from, you know, the TV and the corporate press is like oh, you have these two countries. One of them is a first world normal country that kind of acts the way you do and looks the way you do and has va vaguely similar customs and traditions. And the other one is like a primitive, barbaric third world country. And they keep launching these these rockets over them. For no and don't, reason. Don't the Jews have a right to defend themselves? And that really is how the narrative is put out there. And if that's what you know about the situation, then I could completely understand you going like, yeah, all right. I mean, yeah, what are you going to do? I mean, they keep, you know, launching rockets at you. Um, but of course, missiles, you, they won't even say rockets. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, whatever. I mean, it's just so ridiculous to say missiles. I can't even believe like they don't have a warhead. They don't have a yeah. propulsion system. It's not a missile. They're like well, that, glorified potato guns. Well, all of these all of these terms, though, are very, you know, strategically used, because, of course, if you don't look into any of the details and you hear either of those terms, you hear missile or rocket. I mean, what are you thinking? Right. You're thinking it's the like Frank Luntz right. uh, yeah. dictionary of terms for them. Yeah. Focus, focus grouping. Right. And, and and exactly. And you're thinking like in your mind, you're thinking the stuff you see on TV that we launch on Syria or Iraq or something like that. Yeah. Um, well, we had the it, free it, Syrian army, right? And the freedom fighters, uh, Reagan's freedom fighters. That was Al Qaeda. Right. They call them right. now. <laughs> right. No, they, but these these terms are really important. They they work. And and also, I'm not like I, I just just to be clear, I'm not being judgmental of that person who just doesn't know more about the situation. I mean, like, you know, the, the truth is that most a lot of political junkies have this really uh, ugly habit of having like a superiority complex over yep. people who don't follow this shit. And I really hate that. I, I mean, like, yeah. especially as a libertarian, like I essentially believe none of this should exist and that there's, we would all just be focusing on other things anyway. And I, you know, if everyone focused on politics as much as I do, we'd all starve to death because no one <laughs> would know how to like grow food, and, you know, ship it and all this stuff. So, well, you like, know, I, if you listen to the presidential de 
debates we last had. I mean, why are we talking about the war in Gaza or Syria? I mean, it's it's the Proud Boys that we should all be concerned right, about. Right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> they Proud spend Boys. more time on the Proud Boys than all foreign policy anywhere. Combined. Yeah, QAnon <laughs> came up a couple times. Stand like, by and stand back, Proud Boys. <laughs> yes. Wish you could but tell you, Israel to do that. Right? Yeah, IDF, stand down and stand by, please. Stop shooting but, those kids in the balls. But Dave's so the right, though. There, that... There's this snarky thing where someone's like, oh, I have more information than you. Like, oh, you're not based on Palestine. You don't know the, this this history. Da, 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 da. Like, don't you ought to come at it like, look, these people are brainwashed. They work all day. They get home. They turn on the TV. They get nothing but state propaganda. And you ought to say, oh, no, no, no. And give them other examples like the Iraq war or something else that they do know is bullshit. You know, whether if they're older, you can talk about Iran Contra. Like, remember that whole thing? And uh, yeah, they're lying again. Let me tell you uh, what's going on. You know, without yeah. the snarky attitude. No, That's exactly. What I mean, yeah. And also, you can just, I'm sorry, Eric, but just, you can also look a lot of the right wingers who support Israel, what they're doing, and, and understandably, is just being reactionary because that's what right wingers do. So they're being reactionary to the AOCs and to the Bernie right. Sanders and the left wingers who mm -hmm. are wrong about everything else and then are telling them that Israel's the bad guy. So they're like, yeah, they're probably wrong about that too. Yeah, they just blame the the white group or they just blame the you know Western group or whatever. But what I think they are doing that though. Like the only reason they oppose it is because they see it as white and Western and they hate that. They don't no, really have I, any principles. Yeah, you know, I, there's definitely something to that. And so that's why I'm saying I, you can understand why those right wingers who aren't super, you know, keyed in on this stuff respond that way. But what you can point out to them is you can go, hey, look, at, you know, without saying it this blatantly, if you want to be reactionary against something, how about the CIA and Joe Biden and the Department of Justice who are cracking down on you, by the way, right. this whole this whole war on terror that is like very much in line with Israeli goals is guess who they just decided the enemy is. Oh, it's not Al Qaeda anymore. We're we're fine yeah. with them now. Working it's people, right wing, right wingers <laughs> in America. So if you want to react against something, that's right there for you. But but the truth is that if you really just told people without even like all of the details, but just the broad strokes of what the story is here, no one would be able to frame it as a question of whether Israel has a right to defend themselves or not. Right. And that's the well, way it's being framed right now. Like that's the question that's being asked in the corporate press. Well, don't you think Israel has a right to defend themselves? Which is like the most, I mean, it would literally be like if- I say if, what counts as offense? Well, like if an F-15 blown up an apartment building isn't offense, like what well, right, is like offense? If, <laughs> if, if It's like if Ryan like uh, rented me a room in his house and then some outside body that Ryan's not a part of at all and doesn't recognize, like some VFW or something that I'm a member of that Ryan's not, declared that the house was 50-50, both of ours. And I was like, okay, we'll just split this up. And Ryan was like, whoa, I don't this I wasn't a part of this deal. I was just <laughs> renting you out a room in my house. And then I'm like, okay, well, I have some guns and I'm going to force your kids and your stuff all into this half. And then over the years, more and more and more and more. And then I'm like, what the fuck? You're not even fight. paying rent. And he's like, well, God gave it to me. Yeah, and then I won a fist fight with Ryan in 1967 and put him in the garage. And every time you go, well, why does he have to live in the garage? I go, well, remember that fist fight in 1967 that I won? That's why I have a right to dominate you and keep you in a garage. For and his the rest French of and time. British friend helped in the fight. Right. Yeah. Right. And I got some backup. A whole bunch of backup came in. A whole bunch the of French money, provided like, the weapons. Yeah. So, and then 
you know, like now that he's in the garage and I raid it out every now and then and just like assault his kids, sometimes I'll just snatch them and bring them out and maybe return them, maybe not and all of this. And then the question, and then Ryan, you know, punches me one time when I go in there and I go, hey, dude, don't I have a right to defend myself here in this situation? You're like, yeah, well, that's not really the way to look at this. The way to look at this is 50 plus years of aggression. And it, it, that's just what the situation is, you know? And, I bring and up the, neutral uh, examples like... Japan occupied Korea for about 50 years, really, like mm -hmm. from 1906 to about 1948 or so, uh, and which is when Israel starts. The Koreans that were resisting the Japanese in Korea, right, where it's totally occupied, it's just they just colored it in Japan on the map, right? Like you couldn't say Japan is defending itself, right? When the, you, you cannot simultaneously colonize your neighbors and act like you're on the defense, right? Or the American Indians. Or so you bring up some other example that doesn't have religion involved because that's what turns off people's brains. They're just like, yeah, but right. it, and then you got to get into the whole history. And then it's, uh, yeah, because to me, King David's about as real as King Arthur. And uh, you can't really base historize it, People take, even if they're an atheist, they still have this fictional history in their head. It's total bogus, but you don't you don't want to get in the weeds on that. Just say, let me give you some different examples. Like here are places that have been occupied. Was this wrong? Was that wrong? Is colonization bad? Okay, then we have a bunch of people from Europe, and that's where they're from, that went to the Middle East in the in the end of the forties and just took land, private property away from people exclusively for their ethnic group. Like a settlement is Jewish only. You're no one else can live in them. And it's squatting on land that is uh, way across the demarcation line. You can't do that. Could you build white colonies in Mexico? No, you couldn't do that. Could well, you bulldoze CIA, out you someone's can. house? Well, actually, yeah. I mean, it's called <laughs> Texas. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, what, what I've been doing, like you, like you guys said, Dave and Ryan, you don't want to have a holier than thou, I know more than you attitude about this. Um, so I just, I know people are visual. And th like you said, Ryan, they don't have a lot of time. They're working full time. They have other shit going on in their lives. I've been sending people 10, 15, 20 minute clips of like Norman Finkelstein talking about it. Um, Blumenthal. Um, I send them Gaza Fights for Freedom by Abby Martin and Empire Files. That lays some great context for people who don't know a lot about this issue, don't understand a lot of the nuance. And like you said, Dave, they just see it where it starts at the point where Israel's defending themselves. And that's it. And that's where the coverage starts. So I've personally gotten through to a lot of people in the last week by sending them that and saying, these are sources I personally respect and not jumping down their throat and coming down on them for not having a nuanced view of it or understanding what's happening. Yeah, I think this kind of speaks to what you and I are trying to do, Dave, with the liberty unity thing, is that different messaging is going to reach different people. You know, like every so many people want everyone to have Justin Amash's approach or your approach or Scott Horton's approach or choose your libertarian. Like they want everyone to talk that way. And it's like, well, you know, some people are going to be turned off by me. Some people are going to be turned off by you, some by Eric, some by Ryan like different people reach different people. Like I, you know, Rand Paul, he's not that popular with libertarians because he's kind of milk toast, but he's the guy who brought me into all of this. So a lot of people are short-sighted and they think I came in this way. Everyone else is also going to come in that way. And, you know, that's like, no, the whole point is if we're all selling the same product, you know, if we're all out selling wrapping paper or knives or whatever for some fundraiser, we're going to have different approaches. You know, if you're a, if you're a comedian, you might be try to you might try to be kind of funny when you're selling your product. If you're 
you know, I mean, depending on your personality, you're going to have right. a different approach. Uh, well, so I completely yeah. agree with that, right? Like different things sell to different people. But just a couple points on that. Really, number one, the thing that about Rand Paul, and I think this is one of the most frustrating things about him, is that he's actually not milk toast when he's at his best. When right. Rand Paul's at his best, he's like fire. Like he'll yeah. really like say some Fauci shit. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Could slam Saint Fauci through the table. Yeah, I mean that <laughs> yeah. was he was incredible with Fauci. Right. It was he, look at him when he was uh, opposing Brennan's nomination. It's like that's oh, what brought me in. But that then, was the first thing. Yeah, right. The but Brennan then nominated. he goes back to being milk toast for a while. And you're like, well, it's so that's the thing that like makes you want to rip your hair out about. That's right. why you got to support them when they are on their best. They yeah. get hounded by everybody, but they don't have a lot of people saying thank you. Finally, you know, we right. might say it to each other, but they're not hearing it. And that's why you got to take the time and say, hey, Rand, I really appreciate you doing this and that. Yes. Yeah, so in to the see spirit. That. So in the spirit of what you just said, Ryan, let me just give some props to the broader libertarian world who I got to say, I'm surprised a little bit. It's been really, really good over the last week and a half. The Libertarian Party Twitter account tweeted out a thing about how like we are not neutral in this fight and these dead bodies are yes. on our hands because we're sending the money and weapons over to right. Israel. Justin Amash said a thing about Palestinians have just as right to uh, as much right to defend themselves as the Israelis do. So even, you know, in the more, you know, the the libertarian messaging that I sometimes am known to complain about, um, I was really, really pleased that they they had had some courage and were willing to like you know say the right thing in this moment. So that is even the, the people who have different styles that approach to different you know audiences. I I appreciated that they were all pretty good on this. Right. Robert and Lakesh and I made a music video about Palestine, and I made one. The first, the most censored video I ever did was it was called. Palestine R.I.P. R.I.P. stood for reality in Israel and Palestine. It was just a short music video and it was just showing the kids and the, you know, things you can never put that on YouTube now. But back in 2006, before Google bought it, it was allowable. That thing was on fire. It went around, you know, it was short. It was it pulled on your heartstrings. It had the film, but you kind of got to get your foot in the door with something quick and easy like that. And another one I recommend is the my debate with an IDF soldier. Because uh, I'm out the floor with them, but it, you hear all the excuses defending themselves, and you get to hear a response. Uh, and so, when someone's ready to sit down and listen to something for like an hour uh, and hear every single MSM uh, talking point and the rebuttal, and then see the IDF guy get triggered and lose his cool, uh, that's a fun one to get. Is that that's, still up? It's not on YouTube anymore. I have him. I have it on my website. I can send it to you. Yeah, I'd love to I, watch I did, that. I would, there's a, you know, I'm going to release all those again. I had debated a, a Christian Zionist from Harvard and I annihilated him. And then I had the IDF soldier and he was very calm in the beginning. Like this is the dude they chose to do debates. Right. But I got under his skin and, and then I was talking about how they stole the land and he was so mad. He's like, we didn't steal it. We took it. I was like, gotcha <laughs> gotcha it was that few good men moment you know it's like you don't want to handle the truth he just admitted it i was like you just said the quiet part out loud well it's like, a very you, you know it's a very difficult so i was saying um when i was talking to scott uh the day before yesterday we when we recorded and i was saying it's one of those things where they're very um they they intentionally do this thing where they kind of like they, they speak out of both sides of their mouth. It, it reminds me of like with the war on terror in general, where they'll say it, whenever it comes to the legality of the wars, they'll claim they're not wars. 
You know, they say, oh, well, these are just military actions. So we don't need authorization from Congress. Right, because then they're enemy combatants, not right, POWs. Exactly, so right. Like all, yeah. But when it comes to robbing Americans of their liberty, it's like, well, we're at war. So now it is a war. When it, you know, like when it serves them, it is. And when it serves them, it isn't. And one of the things with, with the Israel-Palestine conflict that just jumps out to me, at least right away, like one of the things I try to talk to normies about right away is just go, so listen, tell me what is going on with the situation here? Because you say on one hand that you believe in a two-state solution somewhere off in the future. Like this is always what everyone says, right? Like at some point we could have a two-state solution. And yet right now we have to support Israel because they're the only liberal democracy in the region. And you're like, okay, well, if we don't have two states right now, if this is the Palestinians don't like if the Palestinians do have a separate state, then Israel is guilty of violating international law, right? Because they're mm -hmm. blockading and invading and bombing and against a, a sovereign country. But if they're not a separate state, then this is all Israel, in which case it which is the reality of the situation, right? This is all Israel, in which case they are not a liberal democracy. They are an apartheid state with concentration camps with millions of people in them. So which one is it? But you can't like keep switching back and forth. I mean, like it has to be one or the other. And they they try to play this kind of trickery with you. But it's very easy to just kind of, you know, nail them down on this. Like, well, which one is it? Well, if and, it's one state, Israel's killing its own people. It's a well, giant right. civil war, right? E exactly. And even, of course, the, the Muslims who are, you know, in Israel who are you know, technically citizens are not, you know, do not have the full rights that Jewish citizens have in the state. So there you go. And and the other thing, you know, that's like funny to me and because I've gotten a lot of shit over the years for like talking to people on the alt-right or something like that. And, you know, I, as I've said, I mean, I have, a, I have a lot of disagreements with the alt-right. I don't, I don't particularly like those guys. And I think they have really bad views on a lot of different stuff, but it's always funny. And this is one of the things I got in trouble for was when I was uh, talking, me and you have talked about this before Reed, but when I was breaking down that um, Ben Shapiro, you know, like gave this whole speech about Nick Fuentes and how awful he is. And you're sitting there and you're, you're just kind of like, I mean, who, who is a neocon to judge an alt-right? Yeah. Like you're just the alt-right for Israel. You're right. just the alt-right, mm -hmm. except you actually have the power. Like, what you want is actually happening, whereas they just have some ideas that they wish happened that are never going to happen anyway. So who the hell – like, seriously, I got to sit here and, and talk <laughs> to some, some neocon about how awful it is because they deny a genocide that happened in the 40s? Right. Like, you're denying a genocide that's happening as we speak. Ben Shapiro's yeah. adorable, though. He's like a cute little Zionist piranha. He gets a lot of powers from his yarmulke. <laughs> Truth doesn't care about your feelings, Dave. Facts don't care about your feelings. Okay. He doesn't do well when he talks to other adults. Like he's always going to some high school where he just owns some 15 year old who's nervous <laughs> and talking on the microphone for the first time. Right. But every time he's had a grown up, uh, uh, it was a great interview he did. I think it was in the BBC or something. And he called a conservative a liberal. And he's like, if you knew who I was. <laughs> yeah. And Tucker Carlson even owned him. And it's it's just, I mean, you're you're a lawyer. It's, it's, he's got such a chip on his soldier, shoulders. He's going to go back to like high school gymnasiums and just, you know, flatten some stupid SJW. It's like, great. You know, you found someone low, even dumber than you. Like, wow. But then, you know, he's, he's a total Zionist. Like that's, I was like, okay, you're, you you sounded good in your rhetoric, except it's then you've got this giant hole. Like, well, not us. You know, we, we, we 
that's our land. God gave it to us. Uh, imagine, imagine, right? Having your whole like calling card. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> God is not a real estate agent. <laughs> but um, imagine your entire like your like business card on it, right? What Ben Shapiro made his name off of is I am against identity politics. Right. And then also being a Zionist. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just try to wrap your head around those holding those two, you know, positions and, and not seeing the, the hypocrisy in it. Yeah. The other thing I love that you point out so much, Dave, is how uh, the, the right wing just opposes the stupidity. Like that's kind of what, uh, that's what Ben Shapiro does. Like he's anti woke, but he's funneling people in the same horrible direction that a lot of the woke people are trying to do now too. Cause the woke, the, the corporations have caught onto the woke train. Like they used to use the, the neocon train, but now they're using the woke train, like the CIA ad that came out a couple weeks ago. I'm sure you saw that. <laughs> I thought that but, was the, from the onion or something. It was so yeah. bad. <laughs> I, I thought it was Babylon B. No, that was real. I can't yeah. tell the difference between sarcasm and no. actual stupidity anymore. But the but the thing is, they get so caught up in the stupidity instead of like, what the fuck? The CIA is trying to get woke people to join their ranks where that's what's really bad. You know, they yeah. get like they, they get into this culture war over the stupidity of like Dr. Seuss or, you know, um, I don't know gender <laughs> pronouns or whatever. And we're They've still been doing it. And this ahead. isn't new. This isn't new. They no. did it to the right wing first the whole culture war thing, you know, and it's, it's great because what you, I, I mean, it's really brilliant propaganda. You almost have to like tip your hat to them because what you do is you make one side, you know, uh, like plant a flag in these cultural positions and then the other side just reacts against it. Right. And then you mm -hmm. can just have them play off of each other. And meanwhile, no one's focused on the real issues, but in, you know, post world war two, like the old right Murray Rothbard writes so much about the old, right? Like he was really enamored with it and he probably, makes it a bigger thing than it actually was but there there really was a pre-world war ii right wing like that's yeah, where the america first thing comes from right that there was like it uh, was something <laughs> like that <laughs> um, that was like the there, jeffersonian ideal right <clears throat> but there was the the robert tafts who didn't even want us to be in in nato or a league of nations or any of this stuff and they were really very non-interventionist and they were just about they were really into like sound money and i mean they were protectionist for sure but it was very much like limited government and this is what the american society is about and when the national review came in and really started making the turn into like we have to be cold warriors what they love to focus on was the cultural stuff right? right. So like no 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 don't worry yeah. about like sound money the problem is that there's homos out there you know like yeah. all this <laughs> the stuff frankfurt that, like, school yeah frankfurt yeah, right like that's they, sir they charles wanted... put it best charles barkley he's a great philosopher he's also a basketball player he said because he, he puts it so bluntly too sir charles they were trying to get him in on this identity nonsense and then talking about the NBA and racial bullshit or something. And he, he just dismissed all that. And he said, no, they're just, this is what they want to do. They just want to scramble the middle class. Just get, whip it up some bullshit and get us all at each other. Uh, he ain't in the middle class, but he, he started in it, I guess, but yeah. you know, scramble the middle class and they fall for it every time they get, get, you know, gays, transgenders, pick an ethnic group, pick a race, pick a religion and just get them all, you know, arguing over that. Meanwhile, you know, they've closed down small businesses They're allocating wealth to themselves through the state. They bail themselves out when they do bad gambling. 
you know, they're just, it's the biggest wealth transfer in history happened under Obama with the corporate bailouts. And you got ongoing well, wars. Been, that, that was true at the time, but let me tell you something. After well, well, yeah. Yeah, they right. <laughs> I was about to say, and then that got surpassed. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. You want to talk? Amazon's love it though. They love it. They're like, shut it down. You're going to work. You hate grandma. Right. <laughs> yeah. And of course, but you see it right when it plays out, right? With like this, this stuff where, um, and and you see it like in real time on Twitter. But we, me and Reed were talking about uh, one of the last times I was on the show where there was this uh, the Raytheon had this um you know flyer i was like a transgender person and they're like i love working for raytheon because it's an inclusive environment my pronouns are they them and then you see like you'll literally see right in front of you like left-wingers being like you know like okay well that's pretty cool that they put that out and then right-wingers are like their take on that isn't you know what the, the take should be their take is how can they be a pronoun for one person? Yeah. And you're like, oh man, don't you realize <laughs> yes. this is the fight Raytheon wants you to have? Yeah. Like this that's is perfect for them. That, that's the that's the brilliance behind it. So Shapiro and all those clowns will cry about the pro the pronoun shit. And then the left will say, this is amazing. We get to fight Ben Shapiro on this. Meanwhile, the national security state keeps growing unchecked, doing what it's going to do. We drone bomb innocent people 8,000 miles away. But we got all the, the plebes fighting each other on this bullshit, and they're still up here at this level playing that game, and no one pays any. We're paying but attention. Eric, Eric. Libertarians are. That's right. Jemima on the syrup. You know? <laughs> Look, now, we, if anybody's playing right. the, Ted, the Ted Kaczynski game, it took me three or <clears> four <throat> minutes to bring him up, but I got to say it. The <laughs> system's neatest trick by Ted Kaczynski lays it all out perfectly 30 years ago of everything we just been saying. But they, they get these people all whipped up in a frenzy fighting the battles of yesteryear. So they're still like, they're, like, they're condemning slavery. Well, duh. Like that's that's already been resolved. So, you know, going you, around and saying things that are completely safe. <clears throat> you have these same identitarians that are supposedly so anti-racist or whatever. Like you can you can kick like uh well, hate Nazis all you want cuz that war's over and nobody disagrees with you. Like as, you're going to get more unanimous consensus on that than anything else. Like everyone agrees that was bad. But when the Israelis are colonizing Palestine, well, they're going to shut their mouth because there's actual consequences if you oppose that. There's no consequences to kick David Duke in the nuts or whatever. It's like, Ryan, we get it. You know? did, did you hear what Biden said about Aunt Jemima? He said, no. you know, she's, listen, man, you know what we're going to do with Aunt Jemima? We're going to take her off the bottle of maple syrup. We're going to put her on a $20 bill with corn pop. All right, I'm serious, man. Poured it I'm on his leg hairs. <laughs> Hold on my leg here with the cockroaches and the black kids in the pool, man. I'm serious. Corn Pop was a tough dude. That, Come on, that, man. Come on. That whole Biden speech. Sorry. <clears throat> Israel got my throat. That whole Biden speech <laughs> about the pool and stuff was just him. Uh, like uh, completely no awareness. He just wanted to say, you know, back in the day, I got in the swimming pool with black people. I was so ahead of my time. I got this. I shared. I shared water with black people. Which the funny thing is that he's he's so out of touch. Of normal that stuff. Like for his for his generation, that's a brag of how like right. you're not racist you are. But like to today, it's just like what? I wanted to get out of the pool, but I stayed in. Yeah, I, I stayed, forced myself. I stayed in. I went in the deep end too, folks. Okay. But that's but that's the reality of the situation, right? Is that so many people and and the truth is, and again, not to say that there's not anyone left who's racist or tribalist in that nature but sure. if you did look at, at at western civilization today what it is so remarkable 
how much that problem has been solved. Like it really is. It, it really is just. I don't incredible. think there's anything with more of a stigma. Like if you're accused of yes. being a Nazi, you could lose your job, your payment processors, like your life is done. Everyone hates it. You'll yes, never yeah. get in a university. You'll never get hired. Like it's as condemned as something can be condemned. Like you I would be... say that Nazism is is worse than the devil. If yes. I went outside with a sign that said praise Satan. Well, Japan wouldn't care. But if I was in the US and it said something like that, you know, I might get some looks. If I had someone that said like F the Jays, I'd immediately get assaulted. Like that's, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, but it's just it, it's really like I think people don't realize and, and and that might be, you know, a little bit like that's an example of like where it's like that's just very weird that those are our cultural values and how weird that is historically that like just trashing Christianity or something, even in a Christian country, is not nearly as bad as that. I mean, to your point, fully mm -hmm. tenured pro professors whose jobs are about as protected as a job could be, let them come out and say one really legitimately racist thing they will be done. I mean, they will be fired. You, or opposition to actual racism, the guy that has the power, well, like Norman Finkelstein doesn't get to say open his mouth. Ward Churchill doesn't get to open his mouth. Like, Because even then Ward Churchill is talking about Native American issues, but Native Americans are not a voting block. So right, all that right. racism is still okay. Right. Yeah. They're, yeah they're still that, no, that's an interesting point. Still, they still have the largest uh, class action lawsuit on mineral rights and royalties that aren't being paid. Like, they dump nuclear waste on Indian reservations. There's things that are yeah. still happening to our own people in our own backyard. But it's like, but they're not a voting block. So that doesn't matter. Yeah, no, that's a that's a fair point. Um, but look, even look, I'm just saying like even reservations with the goons that started uprising in 1973. Like that was. But to get on that, since we're going to talk about, I'm going to bring up George Fentanyl too. When that cop was kneeling on him like that, they were trained by Israelis. Our police force gets trained by a foreign country. Why? We can't train our own police on how to abuse people. Like we got to hire outside to teach them how to abuse people. I mean, I think we've been abusing people on our own pretty well. I mean, it's a waste <laughs> of money to to, to hire outside. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just just to the point I was saying before. I mean, even I just mean separate from the political realm even just the fact that like in terms of how you know racist or prejudiced a society we are i mean when so just in my family my my uh great my great grandmother and grandfather were uh, a protestant and a jew and they got married and it destroyed their families like it broke up families. People didn't speak to each other for like years and years. I think once they had kids, they kind of like reconnected and came back and they start, my great grandmother started talking to her parents again and stuff, but it was like a thing, like a huge, huge thing. Like I'm Jewish and my wife's Catholic and no one cares. Like it's just right. never even been a thought. Like it just doesn't. And this happened, th this is like all- But nobody us. would say this child is half Protestant or yeah. half half yeah, catholic it's... or something but they will say half jewish and they get confused i'm like is it a religion or a bloodline well i don't know yeah i mean i don't know we say i guess we would say she's half catholic half jewish our daughter but i i don't know but like it's but i just mean that it's not all around you you go out and you interact in the marketplace and like there's every race and religion and, and people just really don't care and that's really unique like if you were looking at all of human history, you would look at that and go, the, the thing that would stand out to you would be like, wow, there's so little tribalism in this country. Mm -hmm. And yet that's the thing that we're supposed to be obsessed about, you know, and like we live in a white supremacist society or something like this. And I, I think it's to your point, Ryan, that it's just like they get you fighting this battle 
that is over and essentially defeated, and there's no risks to to yeah. opposing it. And this this well, also serves to point. not fight the real ones. Yeah. The system yeah. wants you to spend all your time kicking the dead horse, right. and it, it it hijacks your rebellious impulse that you're feeling from the squeeze that the technical system is doing to you anyway. And so, a safe outlet for the system is to get you fighting the problems of yesteryear and ignoring the things that are right in your face. So the things that are actually making so many people on antidepressants and depressed, and so the things that are squeezing you, your your labor rights, your things that are real, that gets ignored because you want to go what they say virtue signal or whatever. But you know, just kicking a dead horse over and over again, and it feels good. Everybody agrees with you. You get a pat on the head and stuff. But you know, Antifa and stuff. You're not rebelling. You have corporate sponsorship. You're in line with all the mainstream media views. You're in line with the government. You, they everybody agrees with you. You can go chump out and burn cities and loot, and they'll just call you. It's just an idea, man, because you're helping yeah. further the system's interest. And, and, and you know what? On, on top of that, you're 100% right. And on top of that, the the reactionary, like alt-right racist types, mm -hmm. you're also doing the same thing. They're also not really rebelling. You're just being the villain that they want you to right. be. Mm -hmm. Like you're yeah. fitting. You're literally still fit. This is why the corporate press is so happy, was so happy to have Richard Spencer on every fucking show because right. the, it's on the yeah. same way you go, oh, yeah, you're fitting into our binary, which there, is there you're either really with us right, or though. you're a Nazi. You're talking yeah. about a couple dozen people. It's sure, just they sure. Put the, yeah, they no, put I the agree. camera, like the fact that we brought up Richard, like you, there's so few you can name them all, right? Yeah. That, but you know, the, the Charlottesville, oh, what about this guy? He had a toy. Who cares? Richard's just some dude like that lives with his parents. What, who cares? I mean, he lives off his parents' money. He doesn't live with him, but he's a trust fund baby. But it doesn't matter. I was pissed about that whole thing because I wanted to preserve statues. And that issue just got no one cared about generally. Yeah. It was just a big pissing contest between weirdos, whatever. A bunch of communists came out. A bunch of uh, alt-right LARPers went out there. But they're just insignificant other than as a boogeyman and say, well, here's something even worse so we can justify this other malignant behavior. But that's but uh, that's my point is not that they're out the Nazi. My point is yeah. that they're actually um, supporting the, the establishment yeah. that they're actually yep. like those people, mm -hmm. even though there's not too many of them, they're actually playing the perfect role which is right. why the establishment loves them. Like that's the best thing you could be for them is to say, I'm opposed to all of this shit and be a neo-Nazi. That's the right. best they're, thing you could be for that. They're, the they're like the owners, owners of NFL teams, man. We have the teams all fighting each other and the owners are up at the top and they're loving it. And everyone guy, else the group shaking for their the team. Vance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Dave, you've yeah, said it like that. You know, I, one owner of an NFL team, Robert Kraft, got caught uh, getting happy endings in Florida and works for Leon Black, who's financing Epstein. I'm just throwing that out there. Based. Robert <laughs> Kraft's a very good friend of mine, Ryan. So give him a hand. I'll keep creating the jobs. Well, okay? He got a hand. He okay. got lots of hands. Give him the hand. I'll create the jobs. In massage parlors. <laughs> Unbelievable. Happy, so happy ending, Rob. Dave, you've said that like you think a hundred percent of the right hates the woke shit, and like eighty percent of the left does. That's just like this minority that keeps it going. So, do you think that that's eventually going to boil over and they're going to be ignored, or since they have such a giant apparatus behind them that's fueling all of this, that it's going to continue for a long time? I mean, do you think it? I I don't I don't feel like it's sustainable. You know, like I, I feel like just with uh, the COVID regulations, you know, they went too hard, too fast. Like with the vaccine passport, that was a dumb move. 
because they didn't play it well. There was no incentive to get the vaccine. Now they're trying to save face and say, oh, if you get the vaccine, you don't need to wear a mask anymore. But they were just like, you get a donut. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But they're they were like too in your face and too forceful without giving you any reward for doing the right thing. And I feel like that's what the woke shit does. You don't really get a reward for being woke. You just don't get killed. And then you're still on your toes waiting till you say the wrong thing and then they still kill you. So do you think they're like so overbearing that they'll force their irrelevance or do you think it can just keep continuing forever? Um, I think I, I, look, I would say I don't think anything is like determined. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like the ending will be this or will be that. I, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm not a determinist. So I, I think the ending will be what people make it. Um, right. I do think it seems to be pretty unsustainable and that this, this level of wokeism is a very, very young thing. And I think that people really live in such a like 24 hour news cycle to use a kind of played out term. Um, but like, you know, like Trump getting COVID seems like a decade ago. You know yeah. what I mean? Like there's, it, it's just, but so people lose perspective on all of this, but there are issues that 10 years ago that would, the idea of, of Mr. And Mrs. Potato Head being a controversy would have just seemed insane. This is birthing very new. Birthing person day. Huh? Mother's Day was birthing person right, day. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Like, like this, this would have been inconceivable even for a hard left you know winger to think would be be going around even just very not very long ago and it does seem to me that it 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 seems like almost everything about the american establishment ruling class right now seems to be incredibly unsustainable uh like everything from monetary policy to fiscal policy to like the like the military policy and and the the big game of wokeism but i think that if I try to look at it objectively, it is working very well to do what they need it to do. Right. And and it's not a coincidence that like we were really in, in America bubbling up to a point of damn near revolution. I mean, like if, if you look at from like a, in response to really, I think the Bush Cheney administration that just ruined everything and ruined mm-hmm. the 21st century and destroyed this country, there, the, the amount of resentment and awakening, this came with the rise of the internet where people could now communicate with each other about how corrupt the system was. And you saw after mm-hmm. it, I mean, Barack Hussein Obama getting elected was wild. Like the, the idea that that could happen was wild. You had the TV party and occupy and black lives matter and you know like all these movements where the bernie sanders and ron paul campaigns and all there's everybody is just looking for something that is opposing this establishment and the the woke shit has worked in a sense to distract from that and that's a big part of how they were able you know trump wokeism covid all these things kind of distracted from that's what, how they demonize ron paul racist newsletters right yeah, they, the woke yeah. tried and it's su- it was such a crock well that's what they do and tulsi gabbard pops her head above water they call her a russian agent mm-hmm. you know oh you met with assad and he's an evil dictator like the left really supported the war in syria it was it was because Obama did it. It's really just like, well, he's got a D next to his name, so we got to support must be just. it. Must and be, and to be yeah. fair, there are like there are more than a handful of like really good principled leftists who did not. But it right. is what you're saying is true about the 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 vast you know. Yeah, the, so I'm not talking about like 
you know, Chris Hazen's like there, there are, you know, or Blumenthal, there, there are people on the left that opposed it. That, but most of the anti-war movement for the Bush Cheney regime was an anti-Bush thing, not yeah. an anti-war thing. Well, we had half a million people in New York. Where'd they go? Yeah. Right? Well, they're, they're it's, cheering it's, for him, dancing on Ellen. Now those are the, that's where the happened to the anti-war movement. But they're the all thing is, right, giant, the, giant the, cucks now. But the, the part of the reason, like part of it is that it was just an anti-Bush movement. You know, and, and part of it is also that Obama was tremendously effective at neutralizing the, the anti-war left and that so much of the identity of the left half of America, like the liberals and the leftists, like everyone from the middle over to the left in America, so much of their identity is wrapped up in being opposed to racism. And, and mm -hmm. that is, you know, that's part of the reason why the woke shit works. On them even though they don't really like the woke shit they're like well are you on team anti-racist or team racist and they're like well i guess i have to be on team anti-racist because so much so much of the propaganda um just in movies and culture and all of this has been demonizing the racism of the past and right. based on a lot of truth based on a lot only more than type, a kernel though. of truth it's only it's the only anti-racism when it's safe well, so you can you can flog the Nazi because that's been resolved. No, I I agree with your point, yeah. right? So it's it's just, but there is still something to say that it's not as if like to give oh. the left their their due in this sense. It's not as if the history of slavery and Jim Crow and all these horrible policies aren't real. Like they were once a very oh, real obviously. awful thing, and it makes sense in some way for a left liberal to be like yeah that was awful and we should really remember how awful that was and there's something about this identity being tied psychologically to like we're the good guys because we're not those guys and then obama being the first black president it, it was just so intoxicating for them to support him and when but i don't think they're supporting the fact, them for those reasons i think it's more like they're seeking it's approval seeking from each other because there's all these detrimental policies that really hurt black families that really hurt the poor, but it looks good. Like say, well, let's raise wages or let's have welfare. I'm like, well, that just destroys the nuclear family. It actually hurts people. You look at the data. It doesn't matter. They're obsessed with what looks good because that gives them status points and not what actually works. And Thomas yeah, Sowell's written volumes about it. And it, and it doesn't matter. Like, that, yeah, but that no happens, but... Has read him. You know what I mean? Like most people don't know who, who Thomas Sowell is. Well, you can you can point it out and say, look, there were more black family or more any families intact, you know, closer to the legacy of slavery than after. That is because true. you're you're subsidizing broken homes or you're going to pay baby mama to kick dad out of the house. They will. And not having a father has a lot of consequences for children. And welfare, I mean, how many decades do you want to try it before you're going to acknowledge it doesn't work? Like we're having shortages right now because of all the COVID bucks. I'm like, yeah, well, if you pay people to sit at home, then they're not working, not producing. If they're not producing stuff, you don't have stuff. It doesn't matter if you have money because there's not gonna be stuff to buy. We're having lumber shortages, gas shortages, chicken and pork. It's like, well, that's because even when you allow restaurants to reopen, no one's gonna go to work because they can get paid to do nothing as much as they can to work. And so they're not going to work. And when you don't have working people, you have less things to buy and sell. That's why socialism always fails. You're going to run out of other people's money. And when you pay people not to produce, then you don't have any production. Yeah. Simple. Yeah, 100%. And, and, and they can see it, but they just, I, but I want my check in the mail. It's so short term, instant gratification, you know, and that's that.
Yeah, I, I yeah kind well, of... a lot of that's because you actually the the truth. You're right about everything you just said, but usually you have to read a book in order to understand that. And most people don't, uh, uh, you know, and most right. people can just understand on the very surface. Well, if I get a check in the mail, I'm going to have more money than if I don't get a check in the mail. But it used to be you could just graduate from middle school and you could learn that. Like, gee, <laughs> yeah. what would I do? I mean, you could just see it around like people collecting unemployment. Why? Because I can make the same money doing that as I can with the job I had, except I get to keep all my leisure time. And there are solutions to that. You know what we do over here in Japan, like because it's OK to have social programs. Some people you lose a job, you, some, you need something in the in between or whatever. They figured out if you want to help people but not create the problem and just explain, you put them on workfare, which Locke Faircloth, senator from North Carolina back in the day, proposed, but it got shut down. Here, they'll give you, you know, some welfare, but you do not get to sit at home and do Netflix and video games and stuff. You got to go out to the train station with a bunch of toilet paper with ads on it and just sit there and go, oh, see my hand and hand it to people all day. You, they give you a pointless job. But the point of the pointless job is you have to do something to get this money. That's interesting. You do not otherwise, because otherwise, you're like, if you pay people to sit at home and let them do whatever they want, that's what they're going to do. And they're not going to even try to get a job. But man, if you're out there and you're like, man, I got to sit here six hours a day handing out paper, this sucks. But at least I get my money. I'm not going to starve or whatever. They are taking care of me. But you're like, man, the day I'm not giving paper, I'm going to go find a real job. Yeah, you're going to be making this. moves to not do that anymore. You know, right. and, and, but my work fair. Yeah, we're paying people to to stay home here, so it is it is really uh, destroying things and moving in a really bad direction. But I'll say what's 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 happening now in the Middle East. If we don't have a megaphone right now and something to promote cutting off foreign aid and picking winners and losers around the world. I don't know when libertarians and people, liberty minded people are going to have a better opportunity. Well, to do that. Is, like Ryan was saying, uh, I kind of agree with him that the left seems more like patting themselves on the back than the right does. I mean, I think the right does it to a point too, but the left is worse at it. And when Trump was president, except for like the people that Dave was talking about, like the select handful of people who were really actually good leftists who opposed Trump for, you know, um, what he was doing in Yemen and, you know, all that stuff. Oh, most of them just hated him because he said mean things on TV. And um, I, I know Ryan and I disagree on this. But I don't know what you guys think, but I actually wanted Trump to lose because the, um, the, the people who were going to go back to brunch they were never on our side in the first place. They were completely useless. They were just out there with their vagina hats and, you know, complaining about stuff that really didn't matter. And so now that Trump is out and Biden is in, there are actually a lot of dissident right wingers who really believed Trump was who he said he was or wanted him to be who he said he was, you know, because there was some good stuff about what Trump said he was. And I think they saw him turn his back on them toward the end with by signing that stimulus bill before Christmas and not pardoning Assange or Snowden or any of that. And a lot of them are starting to wake up now. He can't um, pardon Assange. His crimes are in Europe and Snowden was never charged with the crimes. So you can't pardon somebody that wasn't charged with anything. I mean, he's, he sucked, Sorry, but he did get out of the Paris Accord. He did lower the corporate tax rates. He did stick it to China. He did get in any major military adventures. Like he's better I hate the lesser two evils crap, but like this is not a case where it doesn't matter. Like he is significantly better, especially on the censorship shit. 
than Biden. The well, day, I'm not even a week not after Biden got elected, I was thrown off everything, and I knew it. I knew it was kind yeah, of yeah. But that's not. But th- but just to be fair, I mean, that's not actually anything Biden did. That's just kind of like the private tech companies going like, okay, now's our moment to really squash all of this. Uh, It'll be know, zero resistance. Like, yeah, right. Like, so it's not, you know, I, I I don't have a super, you know, like strong opinion on this, but I'm I probably lean more toward it being better that Trump's out of there. I, I think that Trump had uh, overall his effect and there were a few good things that you, you mentioned some of them. Um, the, the tax cuts were good and not getting us into another war was good and kind of at least there were moments that he showed restraint and kind of tried to work more toward peace. Like, you know, the Iran situation could have gone worse, although he really didn't handle that well. The Syria situation could have gone worse. Although, you know, I got to say that, you know, when they, uh, what's his name, uh, wrote in his book that um, he he ordered Bolton? Assad to be, uh, to be, Woodward, I think it was, uh, wrote oh, in his book yeah. that he ordered Assad to be killed. And Mattis was like, no, we can't kill Assad. And I think that might be true. I mean, I don't know, but that seems like something Trump would do. Like, yeah, let's just kill him. <laughs> I don't know. Kill him. He did I, kill Soleimani. And, and he did kill Soleimani. And that, Israeli friends again, because they had a word. Like yes, okay, but yeah. but still, and you can say, you know what, like this is what I was arguing with Tim Poole on, on his show a while back where, you know, I'm like, I'm like, well, you know, like he did the North Korea deal and then he fucked the whole thing up and he's like well no it was bolton who fucked it up it's like yeah and it's trump who appointed bolton you know like that's that's on him like i like his mustache yeah, it was Sheldon well, Adelson, and when Adelson died, okay. Bolton wasn't useful, so he was gone. <laughs> yeah, but still, yeah. he still allowed Sheldon Adelson to he brought him in him to put Bolton. Brought the you know, stake so in. It's just to me, overall, the effect of Donald Trump was to electrify and radicalize the worst elements of the left. Give them a fire underneath them. I mean, the best fundraising tool for the SPLC, the best fundraising tool for CNN, the best the best fundraiser for so many of the enemies. And at the same time, kind of put the right wing resistance to sleep, right. feeling like they have their man in there and they right. making the left feel like they're the resistance, even though they're really <laughs> not. And exactly. now we have a situation where you got tens of millions of people on the right wing who just are are so disillusioned with the whole system it, to a level that we never could have imagined. Like they don't believe Joe Biden was the elected president. They think the election was completely stolen. They're not just the resistance against the guy occupying the Oval Office. They are really the resistance against the the deep state, the the corporate press, the president, the Congress, both major parties. I just see overall there being more potential for good out of that. I, I, like I'm open. There's arguments on both sides of this. There's certainly some benefits to having Trump in there over Biden. Um, but I, you know, I. I I think it's probably in some ways better. I think that Donald Trump ultimately, what he ended up doing, and it's the great tragedy of America, and I know you'll agree with me on this, Ryan, but the great tragedy of America is that we needed Ron Paul, but we yep. got Donald Trump. Yeah. And so everybody was so, you know, it, we were so like angry at the establishment and we needed the guy who could really challenge the establishment, but instead we got Donald Trump who basically didn't know what to do. I mean, dude, th- the fact that he appointed Douglas McGregor to be the top advisor in the Defense Department after the election, he gave him yeah. a month and a half to work with, and he tried to get those plans together to have a full withdrawal, and it ended up getting shut down. But like, 
dude, if you know to put him in there, you could have put him in there day one. I mean, yeah. what, you know, like, and, and probably the NSA would have spied on him and ruined him and gotten him in jail or something. But still, the point is he didn't even really have a strategy. And I think what he did for a lot of Americans was he gave the establishment one more chance, one more play. I, there's a lot of Americans who did vote for Joe Biden. I know them. I've talked to a lot of regular mm -hmm. people who just wanted Biden in there because they're like, I just want this craziness over. Like, I don't know. This is just the, the craziness of Trump, the craziness of the resistance to Trump. I just want. And so when they're going to be regretting that. Well, yeah, maybe we could do this. Like, yeah, it's going to get more people resisting, but we're probably going to lose. Like, I see a dystopian nightmare where everything's censored. We lose our free speech. Uh, the imperial escapades continue. The Green New Deal gets through. Taxes go up. The dollar falls apart. Like we're going in a very bad direction. And yeah, a lot of people are going to hate it. But guess what? They're going to do it anyway. Yeah, but like, we were Biden in there sucks. There's nothing. I, the least I could point to a couple good things Trump did. And yeah, he's an asshole and he fucked up and ran it. But I can counterpoint that. I can't think of anything to say positive about Joe Biden and that whole crew. They're so wrong on every fucking issue. Like everything, they're wrong on it. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you on that. But we're, it's kind of back to where we, you know, where we've been. I mean, Donald Trump, it really is kind of around the edges. If you look at like the major issues, the most important issues, Donald yeah, Trump was, was pretty much wrong on all of them yeah, too. I, I, I mean, know. you know, like, well, he was he was yelling in the debate. You're going to find that Saudi Arabia was involved in knocking down the towers, and then he gets in there and he fucking sells them billions in arms, and they continue, mm -hmm. you know, what they're doing to Yemen. So and then he, he talked, classified JFK he, papers, you know, oh, like yeah. he, at long last, one thing and then he do this other last, thing. Oh, shit. They're all going to come out. We're going to find out what happened. And the, and the real problem with Donald Trump, really, right at, at the end of it, it's like everybody like everybody projects their own thing onto Donald Trump. Right. So the left wing projected this like literally Hitler thing. And then the right wing projected this like <laughs> savior thing. But really, you know what the problem with Donald Trump is, is that he's just oh, fucking uh, Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> he's just exactly what you yeah. always saw. He's just a narcissistic ignoramus who kind of was pissed off at the establishment and is a really really smart marketer and understood read the opening read the room knew what people wanted to hear you know what i mean and then taught and then told them that but the problem with donald trump is he's never read a book about anything he doesn't know anything so it was whoever was the last guy in the room with him was the guy who was going to convince him of that policy he could talk to Rand paul for for an hour and then be like you know i think Rand paul's making a lot of very good points and then he could talk to <laughs> lindsey graham and he'd be like lindsey tells me we need a bomb up you know and like he never yeah. and so there was no plan look donald trump it's so funny they're calling him a fucking dictator on the left the motherfucker was <laughs> literally he was set up he he was he, you know he was framed for treason and not one of those people was held accountable <laughs> like what type of dictator is that twice he they did it. yeah he couldn't even yeah. get one person he couldn't get one person you know like and 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 then he sat around and bitched for they, six they, months about how the vote by mail was going to lead to fraud and then and he lost did. and then yeah. he went that was fraud and then they went they okay you're fraud. leaving and he goes okay I'm yeah, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start my own media, and it ends up being a WordPress blog that links <laughs> oh, to Twitter so and good. Facebook. It's just useless. <laughs> but the truth is, all of the major problems, right? The major problems that are actually leading to destroying the country and leading to the risk of this dystopian future that Ryan's talking about are what? It's the warfare state continuing. It's the the bankruptcy of the nation, the monetary policy, the corporate welfare. The, all of these things they they all continued under Trump. It's not like any right. of them went back mm -hmm. in the other 
other direction. Perhaps you could say the growth of the military conflict slowed down, but even that is kind of debatable. Look, we're at a point right now, the major reason why we never got war with Iran isn't because there wasn't political will. It's not, which there isn't, but that's not the reason. The reason isn't because Obama didn't want it or Trump didn't want it or anything like that. It's just not feasible. Right. Yeah. Our military yeah, is too like overextended. Casualties. Yeah, and and we couldn't do it's. A, this is good. We just simply can't afford to do this right now, and th that's why there's not another war. That's why there hasn't been another war because we actually can't logistically pull off another war right now. Well, we have uh, Iraq War Syndrome. It's funny yeah. because George Bush Senior went into Iraq the first time, saying we finally kicked Vietnam Syndrome, and then his son created Iraq Syndrome because they can't do Iran because we did Iraq. Like That's that war right. is so unpopular and even for the wrong reasons, the left that think is oil or whatever, because it's just corporations, man, is their answer to everything. It was neoconservative values. It was Israel that drug us into war and around every pre-war lie goes back to these neocons of PNAC, et cetera. But whatever. They hate Bush. They hated war. And so we cannot do a war like that again. Libya was different. Europe basically pummeled them and they sent Al Qaeda in on the ground and Al Qaeda suffered the casualties. No one's going to do that in Iran. You'd have to put boots on the ground and tens of thousands of Americans would die. And they're not going to stomach that. Yeah. And they're going to be like, and why? Oil again. So, but we have sanctions on Iran and they are killing Shia militia groups in Syria. And so they are surrounded and they're egging it on. Like they're trying to, to get it going anyway. There are there are the Boltons of the world, the stuff that even though going to war with Iran is fucking crazy. They are crazy. <laughs> they will try to no, do there's, that. That's true. But those people generally over the last 20 years have lost to the the people, just the higher brass in the military who themselves right. are like, look, I know you want this. And they'd be fine to do it. But they're just like, these are the logistics it, of going yeah. to war with, mm -hmm. in Iran. And so the kind of Cheneyites didn't get that war that they want. Again, I'm not saying it can't happen in the future. Iran's and also they, they play dangerous games. take out Saudi oil in a day and shut the world down. Yeah. yeah. And they'll no, go they, and say, this is a good thing to do. We can't block this. Uh, you need to find another way. Right. Same thing and with so, North Korea. Like there is no military solution in North Korea. They'll kill millions in Seoul if you attack them. So you got to find another way. Yeah, that's right. So that's kind of the only thing that is our saving grace in some way is that they just kind of can't pull off some of these these uh, war hawk dreams that they would like to. But I, I don't you know, I mean, look, we'll see what comes in in the Biden administration. But I would certainly say in the Obama administration as awful as and, and if, look, I'm with all you guys. I mean, I think all of these people should be like, you know, tried and executed and they're just all <laughs> war criminals, you know, I'm for tar and feather. That's a, that's not a bad solution. Tar and but, feather Fauci. Look, we can oh, execute them afterwards. So <laughs> Obama was way better on Iran than Donald Trump was. I don't really think there's any debate about that. He was way worse on Syria. Uh, he, he was way worse in, uh, you know, in, in. Libya, which I is was over by the time Trump got in, but Trump was they're worse kind of the on same Iran. on Iran because Obama had the Iran deal, but never enforced it because they kept saying, "Well, we'll revisit in six months and inspect, and then if if you meet these requirements, then we'll finally lift sanctions." And and then six months would come and go. Well, in another six months, so in rhetoric, he's whatever, but he did the same as Trump. He still wouldn't allow them to trade. He still wouldn't the, allow Donald their Trump. Assets, you know, Donald Trump really risked the war with Iran when he took out Soleimani. Soleimani. I mean, he's, yeah. the, it, it is only because of Iranian restraint 
mm-hmm. that we weren't put in a situation where we had to go to war with I was Iran. in the war room for two hours with them saying, don't overreact to this. This is what they want. Like everybody there was like teary eyes and stuff. Because Soleimani had wiped out Al Qaeda in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Like what we're, but we should have been on his side, but they didn't like that because uh, the the whole way they got Rojava annexed by the Kurds is sending in these militia forces and they jumped back and forth across the border. And Soleimani went and wiped them out. And Israel was getting 77% of its oil from the Kurdish region in Iraq. Well, that ended in October, uh, October 17th, 2017. Soleimani went in, pushed out the Peshmerga. They fled to Syria. Now they're in Rojava, which is a different problem. Then he was he was wiping them out in Dirisor. And so he was winning. And the Israelis were furious. Like, they just lost uh, three-fourths of their oil. It's not theirs. I mean, they, they took it when uh, they had America invade Iraq. That was the whole point. And... But no one knows that. No one knows Israel got three-fourths of its oil from the Kurdish region in Iraq and is trying to carve out a piece of Syria for themselves. They just think Assad gassed his own people and Saddam Hussein was a lunatic or whatever. But uh, they had to kill Soleimani. And at first, Trump said he said he wouldn't do it unless they kill an American. So finally, an Iraqi translator who had been an American all of seven days was killed you know, randomly by mortar fire from somebody, and they just blamed it on Soleimani. And then did a drone strike and took them out. And that could have been so much worse. Like they they hit American bases at the exact same time that Soleimani was killed, was the same that like 1 30 in the morning, whatever. That's when they hit the American base, took out some helicopter hangars and stuff. But yeah, that was so dangerous. But who's pulling them into that direction? Again, the yeah. same people that started the Iraq war. Yeah, no, listen, so I agree with you on that, but I also do think that there's a fair argument to be made that Obama was pulled in that direction. I mean, like, Obama really was just rolled by his generals. Oh, yeah. He was spineless. I mean, like, yeah. Obama just well, did whatever they told him to. That's what always what it is. It's, I, I love that Scott Horton always says this, but he's at Obama, uh, he's at Obama and Trump did the same thing, right? When both of them mm-hmm. talked about uh, with uh, drawing down in Afghanistan, and then their fucking generals all, you know, like betray them and push them into it. They go, they're, they're basically, the, the line is like, well, you're going to look so weak if all these generals yeah. end up resigning on you. And they go, all right, so then I'll look tough by being mm-hmm. a bitch. And letting my generals be rule weak. over me. Push me around. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so in order to not look weak, I'll be weak. That's basically yeah. how the presidents mm-hmm. operate. Trump was coming around on uh, like July of 2019. He was ready to get out of Afghanistan finally because he understood the opium crisis and whatnot. And that's where they came up with this myth. And Liz Cheney was part of this. New York Times was part of this saying, oh, Vladimir Putin has put a bounty on the heads of UF soldiers in Afghanistan. If you pull out, you're doing Putin's will. And he'd been smeared about the Russia crap so much that it's like he can't. He can't, you know, that's the, he can't yeah, look they like had he's him. helping Russia. So they had he's him by the balls. In Afghanistan, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah he, he is the great goldfish, Dave. He does, whoever he was last talking to becomes like policy of the land, you know? Yeah. Like the guy who brought me my sandwich, he brought me a Big Mac. He was saying, we probably shouldn't do that. I said, okay, we won't do that. And he was a very smart guy. Yeah. But yeah, Rand, you know, it's it's hard to believe like Rand Paul and Tucker Carlson were like the fucking voices of reason about Iran. And and they were they were in the king's ear about like restraint and and like we need to fucking pull back on this man like Suleimani. That's that's one thing, but we're we're going we're going into a really, really bad direction here. So I'll I'll tell you what, when when I talk about the technocratic dystopian nightmare that Kaczynski warned us about, and I, I don't want to be a black pill, but I see us going that way. Because 
you know, when Ann Coulter seems like the moderate person on Twitter, you're in a dark <laughs> oh, place. You're in a dark place. <laughs> but I mean, like, Coulter... I'm seeing these people like Michelle Malkin and Ann Coulter are like oh. rational relative to now nah, it's saying rat relative to yeah <laughs> the other crazies that are pushing it and that's the kind of overton window in reverse like the sjw's and the alt-right reaction to the sjw's the basic the, the poo slinging contest yeah it is has grown the circus so big you know and they're just you know laughing all the way to the bank you know that that circus is huge well, there's and a group of uh, there, there's a group of right wingers that I put into that kind of interesting category, like Ann Coulter. You said Michelle Malkin, uh, Tucker Carlson. I, I I thought I had a real interesting moment with Michelle Malkin. I I had her on my show, and you know, for, they were all three of them were totally on board with the neocon agenda in the Bush Cheney oh, yeah. years, and they were mm -hmm. disillusioned. And and I think genuinely with all three. I mean, I don't know them well enough to know you know what's in their heart, but I really do think genuinely with all three. And I. I had a moment with Michelle Malkin where I said to her on my show, I was like, look, because I used to watch her all the time back in those days, you know, and I was like, look, you like I, I get where you're coming from on some of these issues, but you have to admit that Ron Paul was right about all of this stuff. Yep. And because she used to trash Ron Paul, like she used really, to be a warmongering lunatic. Yes. Yeah. And and she just admitted it. She was like, yeah, look, I was wrong. And he was right about all this stuff. And there, there is this group on the right of those right wingers who I certainly disagree with on a lot of issues. Um, you know, a lot. I mean, People Michelle Mulkin wrote a, she wrote a book about, um, you know, like I think justifying internment, internment camps, camps and stuff like yep. that. And you That's know, stuff gross. like they got some real crazy views, but what's interesting about them, right? is that there were these left-wingers, the ones you were talking about, Ryan, who during the Bush years were really good on the war, although it turned out they were just against Bush. But they would say these things like, all the Bush and Cheneyites want is wars. They just want to fight another war. They just have nothing but this bloodlust. And the Michelle Malkins and Ann Coulters and Tucker Carlson's of the world would be like, you're crazy. This doesn't yeah. describe anyone real. This is just a boogeyman in your head. And then they realized over the years, they go, oh, holy shit. They were right. They Tucker were right got influenced by Ron yeah. Paul through one of his children. Sure. Uh, it got to him, and then I've never, I've only talked to Ann. I've never spoken to the rest of them. But uh, I'll tell you what got what changed Ann Coulter because she used to be like Fukushima radiation is good for you, and uh -huh. uh, you know, bomb this and that. She started reading Justin Romano, and because Justin oh, really in a column. And she's narcissistic enough. What he's talking about, but he she started reading Justin Romano, and that's where she started getting based. You know, because you're, you're like person. even 10% Romano, you're pretty good. That, you know? That's the perfect person to tell Ann Coulter because he's read. from he's like a the right winger, yeah, libertarian, perfect, yeah, way to reach her. And I think he got to her. That's really interesting because, you know, it's like that's it. It's like J Ramondo or Pat Buchanan are who you want to send to a reformed right winger because it's giving them permission where you're like, no, you can still be a right winger. Like you don't have to be some hippie to be against these wars. You can be like right. Mr. Pat Buchanan. All, you know? all three of them work for Taki Mag. Uh, Justin just sort of part time and, and same with Buchanan. But Anne started reading Ramondo. That's what turned her around. She's good friends with Mr. Cole, who I have on all the time. But yep, that's uh, and that's the thing. Like, uh, you know, Max Blumenthal, who's very good now, very good on Syria, Palestine, but he used to be an anti-Assad guy. Yeah. Right. And uh, I think it was Vanessa Beely that turned him around, and then he was like the anti-white helmets guy and all that. But 
he used to suck on a lot of those issues. So it's, it's not everyone's like permanently entrenched into whatever, like high functioning people can change their minds, but there are yeah. a lot of just party tribalists that just I, do it for the label. I, I think sure. that there was a, and you talk about this a lot, Dave, that it was an illusion that Trump was really in charge of anything or that the right was in charge of anything. They weren't in charge of anything when Trump was president and they felt like they were for some reason. And so it was like boiling the frog at a level that you wouldn't make the frog jump out of the pot. And I feel right. like now we're at the point where they're just trying to shove so much at the same time that the frog is jumping out of the pot. And that's, Whoa. I mean, right. like, and you know, it's also, it, it isn't just doing this to the right. It's doing it to the good leftists because the good leftists have to oppose the Democrats now where they didn't really have to under Trump. Like, you know, it's really easy to criticize Trump if you're Abby Martin or Jimmy Dore or any of these guys, but those people are going hard on Biden right now. So it's like waking up the average right winger and the good left winger to all the shit that's going on. That's why I have some amount of hope, I guess. I mean, if Trump had won again, you would just go back to the right being asleep and the left criticizing Trump. Meanwhile, you know, nothing really changes. Right. We still keep going down this trajectory. So so the thing with Trump, right, is that the moment that was supposed to come with Donald Trump never came. And a lot of that is because of the Russia hoax. And right. so like as Ryan was just touching on before, like it's not even if if the the coup attempt didn't succeed in removing him from from office, it succeeded in boxing him in. So he could no longer yeah. do he could no longer actually, you know, uh, execute the foreign policy he ran on, which was detente with Russia, which was let's make a deal with Russia and get out of Syria and all of this. Well, how can you make a deal with Russia when everybody right. on in the media is saying you're in bed with Russia? That would just right. be proof that you're in right. bed with Russia. That's and the then first of course, thing they sabotage. Right. And, yeah. and then, of course, the, that also, you know, uh, worked to sabotage the, the Afghanistan withdrawal because now it's, oh, Russia, you know, this ridiculous right. bounty story that's been disproven. But mm -hmm. even more than that, on a cultural level, what Donald Trump should have, you know, if you think about like the rise of the woke crazy shit really happened in Obama's second term. And what Donald Trump should have uh, led to was a pendulum swinging back in the cultural direction, but it didn't. It never swung back. It just went further crazy woke. So none of that, you know, like calibration really happened under Donald Trump. Things just got more and more, you know, just accelerated. And so now we're in this weird place under uh, uh, Biden. But I would but it's say- it's not slowing down. Well, no, it's not. But right. it's, I, it's not like, oh, they were all reacting to Trump. No, it's getting worse. See, I think if he had not lost, the left would have blamed each other and divided that party to the radical left. Though, like, left. that's what everyone thought would happen if Hillary lost, that, you know, the true left would arise. And then they did the exact same thing on the Democrat side. They'd actually were like even more blatant about it this time. <laughs> like they, they cared. Yeah, I was. I was somewhat optimistic about the left when Trump got in, I, I naively yeah. so in hindsight. But at the time, I was somewhat like, well, you know what? The left was a lot better under Bush than they were under Obama. So maybe they'll be a little bit better under Trump than they were under Obama. But no, none, none of that ended up. Hillary happening. joined them. She is the radical left. She was one of the biggest proponents of Russiagate herself. Yeah, but she, it's not, you know, it's a weird peddler herself. But like, as you know, Ryan, it's not even like it's it's. You know, it's not like some type of true radical leftist. It's 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 a it's a plot. It's 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 corporatists who are kind yeah, of yeah everything out of their mouth. They're sashaying as radicals. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's radical leftist language to achieve a corporatist fascistic yeah. goal. Right. It's in some yeah, ways you can really look at them as right wingers who are tricking all of the left wingers. You know, depending on how exactly you define. It's just terms. what they say. You know what yeah, they say yeah. and do, like how they feel right. inside doesn't matter. At the core, they're just profiteers. Yes, exactly. Well, yeah, the power crooked, brokers, right? Crooked so said in that yeah. speech that leaked that we have what we say in public and then in private to all the donors, yeah. we say this. Yeah, and oh, that's and that's that was the, the most Hillary Clinton thing that she she ever that's said. That's the was, most honest thing she ever said, Dave. Ever said. <laughs> sure is, Hillary <laughs> says it takes a village. She should know yeah. she's taken many in eighty. Dude, okay. me, and, this is, uh, me and my wife. There are like uh, Trump quotes that me and my wife will just say to each other, like at points that just make no sense. But my, my wife will just be like, we're having dinner in like a half hour and I'll go, such a nasty woman. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know, it's just so entertaining. You're just going to um, go, we need wall. It's like, I go, I go, I'm the president of the United States, and you are fake news. Uh, yeah. he, he had some good ones. But, you know what? Uh, I, I think that's a very nasty question. I think you're very ugly. Sit down. <laughs> sit down. Sit down. Eat dinner. Sit down. <laughs> but I will say, just to counter, and it's not even like there's my take on the whole black pill, white pill thing, right, is that it's like there, there are really strong arguments for the black pill, but it doesn't matter. You swallow your white pill anyway because unless you want to commit suicide tomorrow – <laughs> you might as well give this thing a fight and try to stay positive. And so it's not as if I really have a good counter to Ryan's kind of thing where he was saying, I don't mean to give you a black pill, but I see this whole thing going really bad. But I would just say that, you know, there are a few things. Look, America still has like 400 million guns. We got a lot of guns. You're not going to get our got guns, a, Pierce. We got a lot of people who are really fed up with the bullshit, a lot of people who have really become disillusioned with the entire ruling class. And it is not, you know, it's, uh, as, as I know I've quoted this to you before, Reed, but I always love it. It's the best white pill ever. But when uh, Gene Epstein says, he goes, you know, if you were sitting around in 1948 or whatever, and you said, you know, in the next 20 years, slavery is going to be abolished all across the West. You know, it just would have seemed impossible if you had said in in 1975, 1848. I think. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Yes, 1848. If you had said in uh in 19 uh you know uh, except it wasn't New Jersey still had slaves in 1868. Okay, well, fair enough. But out, still, the last, it was a lot the last, less. And they, then they enslaved the Chinese after that. But black slavery ended. Well, that doesn't count. Ryan, you ain't black. Don't you don't vote for me. You ain't black. Exactly. <laughs> you ain't black. <laughs> but look, the fall, the fall of the Soviet Union. I mean, there are these things that right. like, you, you wouldn't happened. have seen coming that just happened. And like these, and and you never know, right? Like there could be like really, you know, like powerful. We do have the technology which can be used against us, but also kind of can be used for good. And there's Black a lot, like we have a fighting shot in this whole thing, you know. Yeah, here's my white pill to the black pill. So I'm black pilled on all the stuff I just said, but there are ways out of it. They're kind of unrelated. One is the the anti-coof thing, the anti-COVID stuff unifies everybody that, that it unscrambles the middle class because we're all like, this doesn't even make sense. You can go to a restaurant and then you got to take the mask off here, but you wear it here. It's not even science. Then everyone can see through this shit, yeah. right? And the radical crazies are live in such a yes man bubble and have isolated all criticism on social media and stuff. But that doesn't mean it's not there. And in a way, this is kind of like this is trite, but, you know, things got to get worse before they get better. All this censorship, like it's not just me, like they hammered too many people down, so many people down right. that now there's a viable market for real alternative media on PeerTube, on VK, on Rumble, on BitChute and so on, because 
the, our problem with all those was it was just us and we didn't have enough traffic. But now that they, you know, they've gone after all the COVID people and the anti-war people, and there, there's too many groups that they've knocked off. We have a viable audience on BitChute and other places now, whereas we didn't before. And so it, it's now's the worst time as we're building up the alt media, but real alt media, not Alex Jones, like real alt media. They can't censor like peer tubes decentralized. There's no one to go to to take the keys away from. So if we can build that up, that's a permanent thing. And that's the meta issue because all these things we want against the Federal Reserve, against the wars, like all the all the if we want the Ron Paul Jeffersonian thing to happen, we have got to have media that predicates everything else. Yeah. People don't even aren't even aware of of what the bad things are. They don't even know what they don't know because there's no communication. And for a little while we had YouTube, they yanked that away, right? There's some people surviving there, here and there, but even they have to self-censor, right? They have to watch what they say and stuff. But as we build this up, um, I don't see that going away. And I see this huge division, like even, even the QAnon retards or whatever, they'll graduate. They'll get better, <laughs> you know, the Occupy people, the Tea, the tea Party people, like yeah they 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 start off all crazy they start off in a phase of well i don't believe what's on tv anymore but then they immediately get swept up by charlatans the david ikes and jonestowns and stuff then they get disillusioned with that and they keep they, they start graduating right i like to that, the libertarian yeah. institute you know they, 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 they start headed that way that's <laughs> what head towards the light with horton talk about with Coulter <laughs> and these people they're kind of coming our direction you know, they're still Republican or whatever, but they're like, I don't care what you call yourself, as long as you like agree on these points. There's, there's a real pull towards being based, isn't there? There's just there's, there's, there's just a natural inclination after you weed through all the bullshit to just it's lean the, based. It's the Kyle Rittenhouse magnet. Right. Oh my! God. And, and, and we don't even need the truth is we don't even need people to become like full, complete ideological libertarians. Like everyone doesn't have to be a Rothbardian. We just need to get them good on the most important issues. Like that's mm -hmm. really what you need to save right. the country. You know what I mean? Like I, we're we're probably not going to be in our ideal libertarian society anytime soon. But if we can just get everybody good wow. on being opposed to the COVID regime, of being opposed to the the warfare state, and being opposed to the bank which is really like, you know, like at this point, like a very genuine national security risk that this country is like really on the verge of bankruptcy. China um, owns us. But we can't do any of it without media. That's yeah, the no, I agree. Like, yeah, it's like yeah. more people are going to get kicked off Twitter and stuff. They're in a lawsuit right now. A federal judge has ordered Twitter to testify in that case with uh, that doctor from MIT. I forgot his name, but um, they're, you know, YouTube's facing lawsuits as well and, and things, but like I don't see the state coming in with antitrust laws or anything like that. I see the free market coming in with saying, well, fuck YouTube, just use PeerTube and BitChute and this and that. And these things 10 years ago, there was no BitChute, there was no Rumble, there was no BK, there was no PeerTube, there was no alternatives, there was no Gab, nothing. And then they started, but they're small. And and all these people that are like, yeah, the market were like, oh yeah, there wasn't an instant two day fix. Well, that's never how it happens, but right. they're coming. But we're reaching a critical mass because once there is enough, uh, you know, like when RT came about and stuff, there was like, wow, that's a major network that's kind of tells the truth a little bit. And then you're getting Carlson and some others that are going after Fauci now, and Rand Paul's going after Fauci. 
once it's safe to do it and you don't face all the criticism and name calling and everyone calling you racist and stuff, then everyone will pile on. Yeah. You know, it's only it's only those with the with the gonads that'll do it at first and we'll take yeah. all the all the hits. Well, if you want but once it's cool, then everyone jumps on yeah, and, then think, it's, and then it happens just like that. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think like a, there, there's a real white pill in the fact that Tucker Carlson is the 8 p.m. hour at Fox News now, not Bill O'Reilly. And that Tucker right. Carlson <laughs> is difference. the number one show in cable news. And even though they're boycotting him with all this other stuff, the 8 p.m. hour in on Fox News is the guy who will have on, you know, um, Jimmy uh, John Kariaku. Well, 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 and not even just Jimmy Dore and guys like that, but the fact that he'll have on um, Tony Bobolinsky. What's his name? Uh, I'm thinking uh, Nation Magazine got well, Aaron Maté to blow oh, yeah, the whistle on the OPCW yep. uh, scandal in Syria. Like he'll be telling <clears throat> right wingers about how this whole Assad chemical attack is completely fabricated, and this was all. And he's good on all these war issues, like right away. Tucker Carlson doesn't fall for it. Like the day of Soleimani being uh, assassinated, he's he's good on that issue. Like. He's good. And, and, you know, okay, he's not great on everything, but he's really, really good on a lot of important stuff. And even like the stuff where like, you know, um, like, like Rogan will be having people on who are exposing like Fauci's connection to the Wuhan lab and like all of this other stuff. And they'll give him a lot of shit for it. I have some new info on that, by the way, it's way more than three and a half million dollars. I'm going to do it on my own show. I'm not going to eat up all the time, but like we got, that is interesting. Well, I don't know if you saw, um, so, uh, uh, Nicholas Wade, you know who he, who he is? He um he's he's like a biologist dude who's he he wrote one book about like I think like um genetic intelligence that got him in a lot of trouble, but he is like really highly credentialized. I mean, he was he was the the editor of the science section for the New York Times. He was I believe the editor of Science and Nature at different points. Like the biggest, you know, like journals Magazine, and stuff. Yeah. Like yeah, he's like a big guy and he just wrote a whole piece about how it's damn near conclusive that this virus was man-made and came out of the lab. And like now you're starting to see like a lot more really legitimate people like that. And so you know, there's and Echo there's, Health uh finance it. the americans were fine they basically hmm. trump made it illegal so they went and tinkered around with it in china well, which is like giving a seven year it it's like it, it could have been it could I have think been it was, Obama, it was illegal actually. in the u.s i think yeah it, you might be right we made it illegal the americans made it illegal yeah. so they just went and uh tinkered around with it in china which is like giving a seven-year-old a chainsaw because in china like any american company that behaves that way and messes up is done forever but with communists it doesn't matter because you can't replace them so yeah. they can't even get let out of their paint, you know, because there's no yeah. consequence for for they right. have like zero environmental laws, zero, zero labor laws because they didn't have private property for so long. Uh, they do in four cities now in China and it isn't getting a little bit better. But the fact that that escapes in China is not shocking at all. It's like, oh, <laughs> you had it where? Wuhan? And, and it's interesting God. because even <laughs> even Tucker Carlson, like, again, the number one guy on cable news, and he's a right winger and he's a, a China hawk i mean not like a war hawk but he's certainly like really you know like uh, um always talking about the threat that china poses and one of the things that was really interesting is even he had to acknowledge that after you really start to realize it so that so i believe it was in 2014 so it would have been under the obama administration i could be wrong double check me people in the audience on that but where they banned this the the funding of this type of crazy research and um and then there was a loophole in the rule and the person who invoked the loophole, who signed off on it, was Dr. Fauci. 
he was the guy, the guy who's being put out there as the great COVID leader is actually quite possibly the reason why COVID happened at all. And Tucker Carlson, even the hawk on China had to admit, he goes, you know, I think I've gotten this story all wrong because I've been looking at this as if the evil Chinese government did this to the world. But the truth is it's just the fucking bumbling, inefficient Chinese economy and the Mm -hmm. evil American government that did this to the world. And that's just get it together. Yeah. Which is what you should have seen. I'm like, it's, it's a false paradigm. And people are like, hate American imperialism are all pro China. I'm like, no, they're just as bad. Last time I was in China, a family tried to give me one of their children. I mean, it is, it is bad. They, it, Western China is a fourth world country. People shit outside. They don't have basic plumbing. They have as many homeless people as California has people. It's really bad hey, there. Keep Newsom and in charge. People look at it like, oh, up. well, uh, the, you know, the Chinese are going to oppose American imperialism. I'm like, are you kidding me? They work together on all this stuff. Yeah. Well, my whole thing with all that is just kind of like, it, it, like, look, man, we all have H-bombs. What are we talking about here when they're like, we're going to oppose each other or we're going to come to some, some some type of conflict? Like, what what is it? How to like play this out for me? How does how does this war actually work? The only thing we're going to do is continue to fight these proxy wars like mm-hmm. we do in, in, you know, third world countries that we can push around that don't have nuclear weapons. And the reason why if any if there's any reason why, you know, the, oh, my God, China's overtaking us because as we bankrupt ourselves, they're investing around the world. It's like, well, the lesson from that is to stop bankrupting ourselves like the lesson from that is like we need to stop pouring a trillion dollars a year into this empire so so what is this guys is this like the first official meeting of the kaczynski caucus is that what we're saying here (laughs) (laughs) move over mises okay it's gonna be the first and uh last meeting of this caucus i I read i read industrial society and its future uh to people and discuss like bible class yeah, we meet once a week, and yeah, you you can come join sometimes. <laughs> Not afraid to be based. So, Dave, are you? Are, what are you thinking, man? Are you going to run for president? Where are you on this? Oh, I people are excited about it. I want you to do it. I think you should. Well, I'll tell you, we had uh, we had an event in uh, in Pittsburgh the other day, man, and uh, oh man, it was really incredible. It was just good, incredible, dude. Good turnout. Yeah, great turnout. Like three, four hundred people or something there, and it was just like it was incredible energy in it. And uh, you know, I did. I Eric, did we ever see a Tulsi event that had three or four hundred people at it? I think (laughs) probably our biggest event here was three hundred. May have been the biggest one here. Yeah, I'll tell you, there's a lot. I, I, you know, I wish I. I don't think I'm exactly the guy for it, and I I wish there was someone you know who was doing it, uh, who I thought was doing it the right way. but man, it's really like it's it's unbelievable when you saw it when Ron Paul was running, just how good he was and how oh, yeah. many people responded oh, yeah. to it. And oh. the only thing that's really been missing is just we haven't had anyone good since him. And Rand well, was supposed to be the one, oh, and gosh. and he just you know he dropped the ball and whatever. Bumbleman. I'm not I'm not even like trying to like shit on Rand Paul because honestly he's probably the best senator in the history of the Senate and he's the best Republican in in America. And like okay, so that's fine. I'm not like. Okay. Well, I, I was up here for Ron Paul here in New Hampshire for 08 and 12. And 2012 was electric, man. We got 23% of the vote up here behind Mitt Romney. We came came in second place. And what it was, man, it was Big Ten liberty that has been fractured since then. But what needs to come back together to get back to that level? And I really think we have an opportunity to do it here. And Tulsi well, had that to some extent. But well, here's the thing, right? About, 2018, about- I was going to run for Congress when Walter Jones died because I'm like, there's no incumbent. I have a shot. 
that's the was the fourth time my YouTube got deleted. Like immediately when I said I'm going to run for Congress in North Carolina because. I'd win Dare County. I don't know if you've seen me at those meetings. I got standing ovations and stuff, fighting beach erosion and all that. And like, I think I, I think I can win this, um, but not without my YouTube because I had no way to reach people or finance myself or anything. I was like, well, they erased me. I got to work on that and pay bills now. I think what, what, so, I mean, a, well, a larger thing here, it, ha it has to be the big picture issues that Liberty minded people have to come together on because otherwise it's just splintered and it's, splitting hairs and nothing good will come of that Look, so uh, well i think right. you so, should run for something dave like we need more good people to run for office that we're so turned off by it like oh i hate washington and all but like we need more ron pauls we need more people and i think everyone's waiting for someone good to get behind like they kind of reluctantly got behind trump or tulsi or someone like that because a, a little bit anti-establishment in their mind or whatever but really they they want another ron paul and they're just there's just no one to to put all that energy into there because right. in the back of my mind, like, Oh, they still suck on this and that like Tulsi's all well, but the, anti gun and da, 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 you know? Yeah. Tulsi really was just re you know, Tulsi was just way better on, on such an important issue mm -hmm. than anybody else up there, you know, and, and the only one talking about it. And, and really, yeah. I mean, to be completely fair, there was a lot of room for improvement, even in Tulsi's foreign policy, you know, like she really was like, did not go far enough. And, and Tulsi Gabbard was just, I think basically her thing, it was very powerful to have someone who had served and had really yeah. served, you know, been in a medical unit in Iraq and combat and like really seen the cost of war come back. And what Tulsi's thing really was, was just that she knew more than nothing. So you couldn't confuse her over who a Sunni and who a Shiite was. Like she knows a, a bit about the region. And so it wasn't She even said like, it on Steve Colbert too. She yeah. laid out the situation. He didn't know what to say. She, but isn't it sad that the bar's so low that we're like, she knows the difference between a Sunni and a Shiite. <laughs> no, listen, if you really if you really break down Tulsi Gabbard's foreign policy, it basically comes down to this, which is not nearly good enough, but is so much better than everyone else. Tulsi Gabbard was like, I'm fine fighting the war on terror. Mm -hmm. I don't want to fight a war for terrorists. That was basically her point. The reason she objected to the war in Syria and the war in uh, uh, um, Libya and like these uh, is because we were fighting on behalf of the terrorists. And mm. that was her big gripe. That was all she was saying. And that was still very radical compared right. to the rest of yeah. the establishment foreign oh, yeah. policy hawks. But come on, to, now to they, point, they were Eric, reacting to a YouTube video on for Libya, right? That's what Hillary right. said. Right, right. Yeah, it was a, right, a YouTube video. Yeah. That was a Clinton uh, thing. That, for, oh, that, was, that was the that Gaza was part of it. But yes, yes, but it's in the Libya That was war. on television. Think about that. Yeah, yeah. That canard and, and just, was on TV. And that, uh, who was it? Uh, was it Susan Rice who went on all the Sunday shows and, and tried to sell that? But to Eric's point, I think the, the major reason why Ron Paul was able to bring so many uh, liberty focused people together and be such a unifying force was because as as you kind of said it was it wasn't about it, it wasn't about the nuances of the philosophy it wasn't an argument about like anarchism versus minarchism or something like this and things that libertarians really like to spend a lot of time in and myself included like I really love the libertarian philosophy but after a while you're like that's kind of stupid 
Like it's kind of stupid to spend to what too much end? time debating to what anarchy versus minarchy. I mean, like, what what are we doing here? Like, we're, right. we're all living under the biggest government in human history, <laughs> yes. talking about whether or not you know, like, how small. And so, what Ron Paul did, which is the opposite of like the Ayn Rand approach, right? Because the Ayn Rand approach is you have to buy the entire thing. If you buy anything less than everything about objectivism, yeah. then you're not a good person. You're not sure, a good moral upstanding person. You have to buy into everything. But what Ron Paul did was like none of that. Ron Paul just addressed the crises facing the nation, the, the real crises. That was all it was about. His campaign was all just about what is going to destroy the country. And then he would lay out what caused it. And what the solution is for it and then people would kind of be like oh this is my path into into libertarianism is then you'd be like how is this guy so good on all this stuff and how does he know all of the answers to this and then you'd realize it's like oh it's because he has this entire philosophical worldview that's consistent and truthful and irrefutable and all that but so that's like the key to bringing like libertarianism libertarians together and then ultimately bringing as many good right-wingers and left-wingers together as you can is to really just have the answer to the major crises and fortunately for libertarians the major answer to all of the things that are destroying the country is simply to stop doing the evil shit. like right. that really is what it all comes down to the answer to like what do we do about bombing third world countries is we stop and the answer to what we do about the covid restrictions is we end them all and the answer to what we do about States, bailing yeah. out bankers is stop giving bankers a fucking, fucking dollar lock those fuckers money. up like they did in iceland too well, yeah would, throw the furniture out the, the answer to 1984 <laughs> is 1776 folks infowars.com <laughs> but i'm happy I, honestly like i'm i'm not even like you know, I'm I'm not saying it's it's wrong to get some type of vengeance uh, or or some type of justice for these people, but I'm very happy to compromise for just stopping the evil. Like I don't even care. Yeah. I don't care about jailing bankers. I just don't want them getting another dime right. of of Fed That's money fair. or taxpayer money. I'd I'd be okay with that. You know, um, but. Yeah. I'm making a compromise from a very powerless position. All right, Goldman Sachs, here's your deal. <laughs> You're <laughs> out of here. If you do run, yeah, I, I just go um, after the I, pedophiles because it tends to be that I agree bankers with. anyway. Well, the same the bankers, pedophiles, mean, should, so, pedophiles should go to jail. Pedophile bankers, right, same so, thing. Hollywood. When you, when you talk about hedge fund managers and stuff, those are the pedophiles. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's there might be some overlap, but I don't know. If there's a all. lot of overlap. <laughs> So, Dave, if you do run, I think what I've really thought about the last few months is, uh, you know, I used to think like, oh, if Justin Amash runs, you know, he had this mainstream media attention right away. Like when he talked about it last year, you know, at MSNBC, Bill Maher, everyone wanted to hear him. But what I've realized is that crowd, for the most part, isn't that susceptible to the message. You know, the people that you talk to, like Joe Rogan, Tim Pool, you know, Jimmy Dore, like all these people that are reaching a similar size audience, maybe bigger. I don't even know. Like, I don't even way know. What the, is it way bigger now? Way bigger. Rogan yeah. is Rogan's way yeah. bigger than He's anything huge. on, on cable news okay. way sure. by magnitudes of order. <laughs> yeah. By, I mean, so just to, to com compare, like Tucker Carlson is the biggest show on cable news. Joe Rogan is about three times as big. As oh, him. wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, with size, but also with the audience we'd be reaching. I feel like the underground media is a much more effective well, tool yeah. of reaching people who would be interested in what we have to say. 
Well, you got to look at it like this, right? And and I'm not against, I mean, I think for everyone here, for every good libertarian, go on whatever pl platform you can go on. I mean, right. if you can talk to a lot of people and try to tell them one really great thing that might stick in their head, you know, go talk to them. But if you're choosing the audience that's most likely to give you returns and you're, you're telling them that the entire establishment is corrupt to the bone and that we are basically ruled over by criminals and, and blood soaked monsters. Yeah. I mean, just think about it. Somebody who's still listening to CNN at this point, <laughs> I mean, like at this point after oh, everything, I, <laughs> I mean, I'm listen, and I'm not saying you can't again, you, maybe you could wake some of them up, you know? Yeah. Like may, maybe you could, you know, get on CNN and just wreck someone else that one of their anchors and there'd be some people listening like man he made some good points so i'm not like dismissing it but at least the people listening to tim pool listening to rogan listening to a lot of these other shows are already kind of in the arena of like i think this whole thing's corrupt you know like i think there's i'm, I'm kind of looking for alternative answers to what the questions are so i don't again i i think justin amash would probably be able to get on a lot of uh uh you know, good, good media. He could probably get on those guys as well. Um, right. I don't know that the question becomes when you get on the media, because what, like, just to use an extreme to paint a, uh, to make a point, right? If I were to say I can get tomorrow on every single, I, I can grab every single American by the ear. Every one of them will hear what I have to say. And what I said to him was, I think Joe Biden's doing a great job. Then that's useless, <laughs> right? Right. So the question isn't just what, how many people you can get in front of the question is what are you going to say when you get there so it's a it's a twofold thing it's like can you get in front of a lot of people and what are you going to say because what you want to say can't just be hey listen maybe we need an alternative or something like that what, what you're right. going to say has to be something that's going to jolt people into this is what ron paul did with giuliani right like this is a, oh. you have to say something that's going to make people question cane yeah, yeah, they're, they're going to go like, oh, you know what, man, this this guy's making a lot of sense and presenting an entirely different way to look at this situation. And so the question is, who can do that? That that's and, and I'm not saying that the answer is and me. Paul did that but, in like two minutes, even though yeah. he's on the debate stage. They didn't let him talk. But when Barely. they did, he, he got them zingers in there. Right? Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> he would have dude. He would have moments on the debate. Literally, like you said, right? It'd be a two hour debate. Ron Paul would get maybe six, seven minutes. And in those six, seven minutes, he would say things. I, I remember at one point there was one question they asked him where they said just something along the lines of like, um, they go, so, you know, you're, uh, it was Chris Wallace and he asks him, he goes, so, so Dr. Paul, you're saying we should pull out, uh, troops, uh, immediately from Iraq. Um, there's 2007, like the height of the fighting. And he goes, you're saying we should pull troops out of Iraq, but what about the bloodbath that will surely ensue if we pull out in a hurry? And, and Ron Paul goes, well, the same people who said it'll be a bloodbath yeah. said it would be a cakewalk, said it would, uh, they had weapons of mass destruction, it would be paid for in oil. They've been wrong about everything else. So why do I have to believe them? That's, right. just, like, that's it. Like just this yeah. little just window of We can just, waltz right out. We can, we can right. come right home. And just, yeah. Yep. I remember one time he goes, uh, he said at one of his answers in the debates, he goes, because uh, they, they said to him, they go, uh, they go, well, you know, you're all the other Republicans support the war in Iraq. So are you in the wrong party? Maybe you should be a Democrat. And he goes, well, if you think about it, if you look at my voting record and measure it against the Constitution, 
I'm the most conservative member up here. Are you guys right. rejecting the Constitution? And then he goes, this is probably my favorite Ron Paul debate moment ever. He goes, so let me get this straight. He goes, so we need to take $10 billion, excuse me, we borrow it from China, then we give it to Musharraf, who's a military dictator who overthrew a democratically elected government, and then we go to war promoting democracy in Iraq. And then he just goes, he goes, what's, what's going, going on here? here? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what is this? It's just such a great line. He just goes, what's going on here? And then he lets you answer and the it, question. Later what that is same speech, he said, bin Laden's probably in Pakistan, right there on that yeah. border, which is rolling exactly where he was. Mm -hmm. He's rolling yeah, in his blanket millennials, to the cage. Ron Paul, you ever pulled a millennial over and be like, there was this guy? Because they don't know. They missed I had the someone, whole thing. <laughs> someone like on Twitter Obi-Wan Kenobi of Liberty. So it was just, uh, I guess, I didn't even know this is someone else tweeted it, but I guess uh, today or yesterday was the 14th anniversary of the Ron Paul Giuliani exchange on Paul this day. day. Yep. And uh, and I tweeted it and I was like, hey, this is my libertarian origin story right oh, here. Calendar. And uh, <laughs> there you go. And I have a calendar of someone... like based events <laughs> that I made. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. That's on there. And so someone on Twitter just goes to me today. He goes, they were like, dude, I just found you like recently. And I go, I've heard you talk about this Ron Paul guy. I'm going to go do a deep dive tonight on YouTube nice. and find him. And I was almost like, dude, I'm jealous of you that you get to right now spend the rest of your nice go night going like, wait, who was this guy? You're going to have a lot of fun. Well, that, that was the best. He, he got Rudy Giuliani to say, I've heard some crazy things about 9-11. But what Dr. Paul just said was absolutely insane. You know what, but by he, the way, he ate the his best lunch. part of that. So that, that yeah, and Giuliani just again knows nothing. He goes, I've heard some crazy things about 9/11, but the fact that we were bombing Iraq had anything to do with it. I've never heard that before. Except yeah. it's one of the reasons that Osama bin Laden listed for 9/11. Right. You're just like, <laughs> oh, so this I've never heard that before. Yeah, that's because you don't know anything, you fucking retard. Yeah. This was literally <laughs> the one of the five reasons the guy told you he did the attack. <laughs> I Although wish I could have. Uh... 10 minutes on like a Rogan or something to talk about 9-11. It's the 20th anniversary coming up. They've had all the crazies on there. Jones and stuff I'm like, man, give, give it a 9-11 truth for grownups. For person. adults. Just, just, yeah. Just 10 minutes to explain what really went down uh, on an audience that size. And that would, that would resolve the whole one, thing. One good thing that oh, Trump man. got from Giuliani was, um, you know, Giuliani had a policy of stop and frisk in New York City, and it worked very well. And ironically, it's also my policy backstage at my beauty pageants. Okay? <laughs> it's a great, great policy. Biden's great got policy. the stop and sniff. Stop and sniff. Come here. What is that, head and shoulders, Lucy? No serious boyfriends till you're 30. Come give Uncle Joe a hug. Come oh, here. Ryan, if you got on. Shower. Come here, Dave. If you that got head and shoulders? Joe Rogan and uh, Tim Pool and oh man, that would break the internet. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Eddie Bravo is mentioning trying to say some of my talking points, but he does he doesn't know it well enough to to do it. But um, yeah, that would be base too. But um, does he listen? Pool, does Bravo listen to your on. shit? I've met Bravo in person. I'm a jujitsu guy too. And so like I knew him from that. I actually followed his musical career. It was just one of the most, everyone found him some other way, but I, I knew him from music first. Never thought I'd meet, didn't know I was going to be in Japan. I did not see my future or whatever, but uh, I'd met him before. And then I was on Bravo's show. We did a big show on JFK that got censored. And I met James Eugenio the same day. He wrote some base books about JFK, did that. And so when I was in LA and, and he just started asking me about 9-11 out of the blues, I'm like, okay, I, I, I got this topic. I didn't think you were going to go here, but all right. And um, 
other people like Scott Horton, David Cole, other people like that, that kind of laugh at 9-11 truth, like except for Ryan Dawson. Like his is actually, you know, rational and makes sense and documented. But Rogan is so turned off by the typical 9-11 crap, you know, loose change, gauge, all the, you know, that I am too. I like 99% 9-11 truth is stupid. Uh, and he thinks he's heard it all before. And this is just another one. I'm like, no, man, I ain't that guy. Like my, I'm, my take on it is very different from, you know, the plane deniers and stuff. You know? And, and you've <laughs> yeah, wa- I've watched that just get dumber and dumber. Like it was the half planers, the ones that thought a missile at the Pentagon and stuff. I mean, I, I have, I, I just have these things on hand. Like, Hey, look, this is the hole in the Pentagon. You see that black, that big 90 foot hole. And what they show you in all the films is this one on the second yeah. floor only. Right. I'm like, it was a fucking airplane. Here's the six rings. Oh, there's not six. There's only two. You see the bottom two floors? There's only two walls. The rings are on the upper floors. It takes like two seconds to debunk their talking points. They have the blueprints and stuff. Brian's got the documents, folks. I, I do the have the documents. <laughs> like, yeah. I spend more paper. time debunking the nonsense than going on the offense. Like, I can't even get to start telling you what did happen. Cause I have to deal with the mountain of crap of saying, no, I'm not one. No, I don't think that. No, I don't think the hijackers are still alive. No, I don't. Th-. You know, and, it, and I blame Alex Jones and loose change and these people. And like, and then Rogan has Alex on and he just goes off about building seven, which is the wrong thing to do, but they don't know that they don't know. And Eddie tried to get me on and be like, no man, this Alex is like a, a purple belt compared to this guy. But, uh, you know, I can't get my foot in the door. And who am I to be like, no, man, I I'm really am different because they're all going to say that, right? Yeah. And I can't even point to the films and stuff I made because they've all been yanked. All my every 15 years of work of YouTube's gone. And I, got, I generate all these millions of views like on my own. I never would, I got, could get on shows and stuff about it because of the stigma. And the stigma is created by the crazies. The lizard yeah. people and stuff like that. It's the toilet paper people, the ones hoarding well, gasoline comes, right now. You it know? comes <laughs> It comes full circle to what we were talking about earlier, where like this controlled opposition or this this fake narrative to get everyone to argue. So whether it's the woke stuff or whether it's like throwing the scent off with some bullshit story that has all this crap. They're doing it to Epstein. They're like, he's still alive, living in Israel. I'm like, no, man, no. He's dead. I made a big map of all the players and stuff. But I'm just, I'm considered a camp, right? Shoulder to shoulder with the most ridiculous crap, right? Right. And I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, you don't agree with this 1%. I'm like, no, I disagree with everything they say because it's crazy nonsense. You know, it's it's like the people who criticized Obama because they thought he had, it was a born in Kenya and he's a birther or whatever. I'm like, man, he started a war in Libya and made slavery great again. There's so many things you could really criticize yeah. him for. Same with Trump. But you're criticizing him with for our identitarian nonsense or whatever rather than the assassination uh, of Soleimani or something, you know? Yeah, I love, I love when... Uh, um scott horton said he goes they all uh, the right wingers who are saying uh, tr- uh obama was a secret muslim and the truth is he was just a secret republican <laughs> right. he, he, he killed hundreds of thousands of muslims but he's a secret yeah. muslim right? yeah yeah it was like he's yeah he supported gay marriage because he's a secret muslim or he, something. he opposed gay marriage at first well he did it first uh, that's but, true yeah. he flipped he flipped on that once he wasn't going to keep any of his promises and he needed to get reelected. he goes well but again right isn't that like a perfect little mini example of what we were saying before about the woke shit as a 
distraction, right? So it's like, look, I'm not going to end Gitmo. I'm not going to end the war in Iraq or Afghanistan. But how about I go, I'm for gay marriage. Now, is that okay? Right. Is that enough to kind of buy you off? Am I a good person still? And like, yeah. by, you know, right, I, I don't care. Like, I'm doing it anyway. So you might right. as well hop on board. Right. Yeah. And, and like, I don't even like care. Like, I mean, gay people should be allowed to get married. Really, sure. government shouldn't be involved in marriage at all. But exactly. it's just a matter of going like, what really, in terms of priorities, two gay guys who were going to have a civil union can now have a marriage. How does that even in the same stratosphere as the genocides? Right. I mean, Obama had like, really, if you measure it all up, Obama, okay, he destroyed the entire nation of Libya. I don't know how many deaths you could put on his hands for that, but it's got to be in the hundreds of thousands at mm -hmm. minimum. Okay, at least 500,000 people died in the Syrian civil war that he started. Okay, uh, it's probably going to be between 500,000 and a million in Yemen when all is said and done and he started that war. That's not even not even mentioning the continuations of Iraq and Afghanistan and how many people died in that war. I mean, you're talking and, and millions the of people. He's in Mali. He, yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally <clears throat> not even adding all this in. He's if, if you tallied it all up, he is approaching Hitler, Stalin levels of of deaths that he was responsible for. But two gay dudes, instead of a civil union, he, he's you get catching a up on LBJ. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, he's working. <laughs> he's working on LBJ. He may. Have, he, how many? How many Vietnamese died? Two a couple, million. A couple million. He may have yeah. more. I think he has more than LBJ. But LBJ had more than just Vietnam. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He, he had a sister on that list too. <laughs> well, you uh, don't get me going on LBJ. You're going to trigger me. It's like someone brings up Richard Pearl, and the next hour is me talking bad about Richard Pearl. <laughs> hey, Ryan, how do you feel about PNAC? Bring Lincoln, yeah, yeah, just, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, well, PDAC is a known that. thing, though. Like that spurging worked. Um, yeah, people know what true. that is now. And the other thing that Ron Paul benefited from was all these films that, like Bill Still and people were making about the Federal Reserve that we couldn't get anyone to watch. Uh, once, like, once, like a congressman said it, we're like, okay, Ron Paul's saying it. That was a way to get someone to sit down and listen to it. And you had a. a slew of anti-fed films and it, it made my day because when some teenager comes up to me talking about fractional reserve banking do you know about it i'm like i do but I just keep talking because i'm so happy that <laughs> proud I, of you son i thought there's no way we can get people to listen to these asinine like not just these eh, economic issues i just thought they're not they don't care it's finance oh their brain shuts down but ron paul made it sexy it was like the Federal Reserve, and he get in and talking about inflation, and all the whole generation got educated through Paul, or like Paul got it going, and then the films and books and stuff were there and had been there. Yeah, you know, but, well, and, still and, made Money Masters in the '90s on VHS tape, right? You know? Yeah, well, and and but right, but a big big part of that, uh, back to my point, was that it, it, he was addressing the crises that the nation was facing, and you had this huge economic crash, this financial crash, and no one really had an explanation for it, and Ron Paul did, and he was like, well, "Listen, this is coming. what's causing the boom and the bust." It's the Paul Federal was Reserve. dressing down the Bernanke. I call him the Bernanke. Yeah. He was, yeah, was dressing down the Bernanke before the housing crisis. Yep. And yep. he was saying before the the housing crisis, like, you can't have this credit bubble. If you know, it, and yeah, it was coming. I mean, they said they got rid of moral hazard and, all, and Paul was talking about it. And then you can go back and say, hey, this guy told you so. He had his Eisenhower moment, you know, Eisenhower yeah. finally decided to be president his last day in his farewell address. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Talk about the MIC. Day. 
Yeah, it's like it's what they do. You know, it's like Trump getting McGregor in his last month when he's a lame duck. It's like it kind of makes me mad. It's like you knew the right thing the whole time. You just didn't have the nuts to do it, which is why I think a lot of these people are compromised. I'm like, what do you have to lose? You're you are the fucking president. Like, what are you? Oh, oh I'm going to be good until I get in the inside. Like, you are the guy. Just yeah. do it. You're the president. But, you know, he'd sit there with his marker and his whiteboard and be like, we're going to get out of Afghanistan. And his generals are like, that's nice. Here's your marker. Whatever. We're going to ignore you. It didn't really have power. Yeah. They couldn't do it. And the media, the establishment media is going to lie. They're going to be the pro-war stance the whole time. So until people stop listening to CNN and Fox and the New York Times, you know, but there's got to be an alternative first. There's nothing more important than building up media. And people like Tim Pool, Rogan, et cetera, like they, I don't know if they understand the political power they have. There are a lot of smart guys that you could have on your show that will tell you all about it. Like, I'd love to see Max Blumenthal go off on Syria on Joe Rogan, you know, but I, I don't see that happening. You know, but I'm like, people would love it. They would eat it up. Some of the most popular shows he's ever done is when he, when he does have someone that actually understands politics on there, you know, that's, but it's few and far between, but that's, it's sad that like, uh, you know, a comedian with a podcast or whatever, or that's where the news is because there's nobody in establishment journalism that can get paid to do that. I mean, you will get canceled. Your career will get smashed and we have to find these like podcasters and stuff online that sort of subsidize it by talking about DMT and martial arts or whatever, because that you got to do that for the money. And then you get on a, a journalist now and then, you know, to get yeah, the info right. out. <laughs> like, right. That's yeah. not a bad business model. Yeah. I like martial arts and DMT is interesting. I got, I ain't going to do it, but you know, like I like, listen to it. So it works. Well, we're, we're over two hours now. And I, I, I know I just asked for two hours. I want to thank all of you guys for coming on. It was great. And, uh, what Ryan was just saying about how we're end up ending up on podcasters. It, it is kind of terrifying to me that like I am hosting Dave Smith and Ryan Dawson. Like it's gotten to such a bad place that Reed Coverdale. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it, it, I really am uh, just thankful for you guys uh, being willing. Hey, to I talked to David. Duke. I've, I've had lower moments. I had nowhere. I had nowhere else to go, though. I was like, I need to pay my rent. You know, I was like, well, maybe I can go in there and, and convert some of his audience. And like I did, I made him. He's not racist anymore, except for Jews. I could not change his mind on that. But like I, I got him the ease up on everyone else. So really a little well, little go. bit of a win. Yeah. I mean, he, I was like, I mean, I'm American Indian and he didn't have a problem with what I was saying. And he and I was like, dude, look, man. I, and I, I gave him the Thomas Sowell arguments for against this. No one ever talks to these people. There's no dialogue. I'm like, they believe in biological determinism because they haven't heard better explanations. And just yelling Nazi at a Nazi is like yelling communist at a communist. You call a communist communist. They're like, so you call white supremacists white supremacists. That doesn't hurt their feelings. because that, that weapon only works when the person's not a white supremacist, yeah. right? Yeah, you know, they're like, oh, I'm not. Uh, but if they are, they're like, yeah, and, you know, so I was like, all right, I will actually argue with them. So I did. And I had a little bit of success, but these people are not all like evil. They're just wrong, you know, and you can you can convert people just like Ann Coulter used to be like Bomberan and so did Tucker. And they're not like that at all. And, and David Duke of, is just a guy. He's just a person. Yeah, you can talk and, them and, out of it. And as you were saying, short of convert them, you could maybe at least make them a little better. Right. Which is still better. A step in the right direction. Right. Which is still better than Whereas not a step in I the right direction. I didn't move at all. 
I didn't get right. <laughs> I was right where I was. So like all yeah. this rhetoric I heard it I was like nope. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, but you're right, Reed. It's uh I appreciate being on your channel. I hope we can build it up, but I'm afraid as soon as you do get big, they're gonna yank it. Oh yeah. So, well I'm gonna I'm gonna head over to Pier Two once I have enough time to set it up. Should do that. But um we're gonna yeah, build back we, better. Dave, you why should why copy we, all your stuff over somewhere else too. Like just Yeah, I know. I got I know I gotta do that. I'm I'm crazy. I haven't done it already. I will loan you some nerds who will do it for you. <laughs> all right. I, I'll take you up on that. We'll do that. Awesome. All right, well, Eric, Eric, what's uh what's Alex got? Or let's see. I like your Trump one. Are you any closing words from uh from the Don? Well look, I, would I just think what, what I, I, was thinking, I was thinking you haven't done uh, the body yet. I was wondering oh, what the yeah. body thinks about a, a Smith Dawson 2024 libertarian <laughs> ticket. Well, <laughs> let me just say this. I took some time away from sunbathing nude in the Baja <laughs> to do this. And I like Dave Smith. He's a smart guy. He's clean. He's articulate. He could probably take a chair to the face and get back up. I think he could do it. He's a fine spokesman for liberty. And I like what he's doing. I like trucker Ryan. I like you Reed. You're amazing. You're out there getting the miles, putting, putting tread on the tires, going from truck stop to truck stop, maybe seeing some lot lizards. I, I met a lot of lot lizards on the road when I was wrestling. I did. I did. I never got syphilis. Maybe I did a couple times. And Ryan, you're out there in Japan. You're more nuclear than Fukushima right now with your rhetoric. And I'm loving every minute of it. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah. I think your Jesse Ventura is is as good as your Trump for impersonations for real. Has he heard it? Have you done solid. that for Jesse? So when I interviewed Jesse Ventura, I floated the idea to his assistant to film a little skit before my my uh, interview, just getting him to kind of plug Jackman Radio, and I was going to do the impression for him. She's like, "That's not a good idea. I don't I don't think uh, that that'll go over well." Won't with go them. for it. No. Well, yeah, she she was kind of gatekeeping me, and I didn't want to push it because I was lucky I got a sit down interview with him in person for an hour in Brooklyn. Uh, you might know the place, Dave, the Nighthawk Cinema in Brooklyn. I don't think so. Ever heard of it on Metropolitan? But um. I, I did my Trump for Ventura, and he really liked it. He's like, ah, that's good. That's good. I like it. I like it. I had dinner at Trump like Tower it. with Woody Harrelson, myself, and Donald Trump. Bet you would have liked to be a fly in the wall for that one. <laughs> well, why don't you guys each just uh, give your plugs? I did so. Finkelstein for Norman Finkelstein. That, <laughs> oh, that's nice. I can do certain impersonations, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Would you ask me? Each, uh, give your plugs. You, Eric, go first if you uh, want people to follow you or Mountain Dew. Um, <laughs> you're turning the frogs gay with Mountain Dew. Yeah, Reed, thanks for putting this together, man. Uh, the, the Four Horsemen. I, this this gives me life every month putting this show together and doing this. Um, yeah, give me a follow. I'm on Twitter every day, Jackman Radio, uh, Instagram, Jackman Radio, and my personal handle, Senator Jackman. And I'm um, on YouTube, Facebook. All the major uh, New World Order platforms. I'm on there. I'm still platformed. If I get deplatformed, I'm going to have to call David Bowie and borrow his platforms. Infowars.com. <laughs> Ryan, I miss David Bowie. Hey, Reed, thanks for having us on. And you, you got some balls, Dave. You too for like risking rolling the dice. <laughs> More so, Dave. He's a bigger audience to lose. Dave, so. Dave's going to be like, there's fine people on both sides. <laughs> 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 I run the anti-neocon report. So anzreport.com. 
And I'm on all the non-normy stuff, vk.com, PeerTube, and so on. All the links are on my site, so that's where you find it. I don't have, actually, I do have a Twitter now. Like one of my backup, backup, backups got returned. <laughs> it was just like my Civil War history channel. They like finally brought that back. So, but probably by the time you're hearing this, that'll be gone because I'm just been ranting about Gaza every day, and I just see it. It's probably gone. But ancreport.com. We do live streams. We're on PeerTube. We got a Discord, a Telegram, and all that jazz. So, add it, and I, I welcome all you bigots uh, <laughs> into the fold. <laughs> yeah, Dave. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, also thanks to Reed and thanks to Eric and Ryan. I appreciate you guys. Uh, th this is great, and I I'd love to do this again sometime. And yeah, it's uh, my podcast is part of the problem. Comic Dave Smith on Twitter. All right, cool. Well, thanks everyone for watching. If uh, you're over here uh, just visiting, please subscribe to the channel. Uh, and I think I'll be live streaming on Tuesday. So I will catch you then. Thank you for joining us.